We are the circus and in Abandoning the magician And sometimes the white clan who blows Red big bubbles all for the screen So why should I sing another love song? Why should I sing another love song? Episode 200, dated Friday the 22nd of April 2011, Inside the Minds of the DC. Welcome to the Digital Cowboys, baby. This is our 200th episode. Those of you who remember our 150th will recall the two-part How to Start a Podcast venture, which we're very proud of. But if you're listening as far back as episode 100, and I'm sorry, you'll remember the three-part, four-hour epic of navel-gazing, unstructured rubbish that was our centenary show. For this one, we've decided to look at what we wanted from 100, which was a closer look inside the minds of the hosts, and taking a leaf out of the Married Gamers book, we handed the show over to outside parties so please welcome well first off my co-host tony atkins whom i never introduce hello tony <laughs> hello and also sassy and tara the most popular girls on the internet hello. hello and daniel floyd of extra credits hi and they're going to explain what you're about to hear so um sassy what did we record last weekend and what did you originally intend it to be well, we wanted to kind of uh, get into your minds and get to know you a little bit more personal since your shows have a lot of uh, specific topics. We thought we'd kind of ask you about your backgrounds and your friendship and, and all that good stuff. And we decided instead of just all of us together doing it that we would, that Daniel and I would each interview you separately and see what you had to say. So what you're about to hear is actually four different separate interviews conducted completely separately of each other. I am not sitting in on Tony's. Tony is not sitting in on mine. And we're talking about one another, effectively behind each other's backs, about the show, about each other, and about how things have gone over the years. I just realised now, this is going out on the podcast. Everyone's going to hear what I said about you. (laughs) That wasn't the plan, was it? (laughs) Well... What did you say about me? <laughs> I guess I have to find out. Okay. Phase one um, of breaking up the digital cowboys is complete. <laughs> Damn it. So, so, so that you really can be not only the most popular girls, but the most popular boys on the internet. <laughs> what? <laughs> the most popular people on the internet. Oh, very so nice. we just thought it would be kind of interesting to separate the two of you since, you know, you kind of come as a unit all the time. Just, you know, we like do pair- together pair- all the yeah. time. <laughs> <sighs> what I meant. This is a serious show. <laughs> Seriously. Next week is for frivolity. There's a time and a place for fun and games. It's not oh, here. Okay, sorry. so so what you're about to hear <laughs> is four very carefully edited uh, interviews between uh, Tony and Sassy, me and Sassy, Tony and Daniel, me and Daniel. And then next week, there'll be some more fun kind of uh, questions. These ones were meant to be a bit more deep, probing, and personal. So enjoy. We will see you after the show. All right, I guess we start this then. Starting off, I'm curious, how old were you guys when you first met? It would have been in school, and it would have been sort of early to mid-90s. I think I'd seen Tony around a few times. The first time we actually hung out together was when we saw The Rock. Um, (laughs) I I can find the exact date of that, yeah. That's a long time. That's, I think, what we were probably... 
full team. So, I'm trying to work that out in my head. What's that? Six, sixteen years, seventeen years. Not bad. It was released in the UK on 21st of June 1996, so it would have been within that first week or so. Nice. All right. So did you guys just like go out to the movie together, or did you uh, just meet at a friend's um, house? Well, no. Uh, I was friends with some friends who were friends with his friends, and uh, he and Paul came and, and met with my friends, and then we all went to see The Rock. And uh, I think all of us liked it except for Paul, <laughs> who ended up quite liking it later. But uh, he, he sort of walked walked out fairly sniffily. He had just seen Heat, I believe, the year before, so it had raised the bar on what kind of <laughs> film was of quality to him. But uh, before that point, I hadn't really hung out with Tony. And after that point, I hung out with nobody but Paul and Tony. Awesome. <laughs> Someone like that, yeah. I, I mean, we met, obviously, at school, Oxford County School. Um, and... Alex is one. It, it's a strange story. Alex is one of these. I'm sure he won't mind me saying this, but he was a, a fairly strange child at school. <laughs> he didn't really fit in with any, you know, the, the you know the, what they call the cliques. You know, we all have the cliques at school. Oh yeah. Uh, my particular clique was, you know, I was the guy that went and played sports every uh, lunchtime, and yeah, you know, I definitely wasn't a jock. Don't get me nowhere near a jock. <laughs> in fact, <laughs> but uh, you know, I did like my sports, um, and that's also where Paul, previous host of the show, you know. He, uh, I met him across that Oxford County School before Alex as well, and uh, he was a good friend of mine. But um, yeah, Alex was one of these these guys that was just kind of off the side. He, he had his own group of friends, but he, he just, you know, I don't know, he, he didn't really you know, know him fantastically well. Certainly didn't grow up with him throughout the school. But it was in secondary school, so you know, whatever it's been year seven or eight, isn't it? year eight probably. Um, and uh, I don't know what happened. I think that somehow we just got talking. I know I think Paul knew him more than me. And somehow we just got talking and realised, you know, we shared a love of films and games and the usual kind of stuff. So, yeah, it, it, I can't believe it's actually that long ago. So, <laughs> I, assuming he's, he's said the same thing. So Yeah, it was a very, very similar, uh, very close to the same story. Yeah. It's, all right. It just makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now that you're here and Tony is not here, do you have any good childhood uh, stories about him that now that he's not here to stop you? About him that happened to him? Uh, yeah, just anything about him that you want to share that he <laughs> cannot stop you from doing. There's now. something that got mentioned at his wedding that I didn't know about until the day, which I don't think he's actually mentioned in the podcast, but if he has, um, uh, then oh, I don't remember which episode it was in. Uh, his, his brothers, he, he's, he has many, many brothers. I think he's got four, all of them older, which has made him somewhat competitive <laughs> over the years. Uh, but I, I don't know exactly what happened, but they were in the garden playing with a brick and a piece of string, and somehow Tony lost a tooth. Well, it's not really pl- a story. <laughs> playing with a brick and a piece of string. Yes, the brick was attached to a piece. Of, I think it's like a really hard version of swing ball. <laughs> Only you don't use oh, that'd be tetherball for you guys, but you don't use a tennis racket, you nut it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened, but I do know that Tony is harder than anyone I know. I was gonna say he sounds like the hardest man alive. <laughs> yes. So but either way I think either he lost a tooth or chipped a tooth, but uh he, he was missing some dental work after that one. Um <laughs> you, you see, this is what happens. Your your parents want to see you grow up and be, you know, obviously young, you know, well adjusted um kids and, and people in later in life so my parents decided to take the decision when they had uh, me and my brother and i've I'm, I'm got uh, three other brothers all older than me so i'm the youngest of the family and of course as older brothers do they tend to get you in all the shit possible <laughs> uh, my ones were no different but um we lived in the middle of nowhere it was yeah it was a good long drive before we actually get to town um 
and it was basically me and my brothers were the only ones within our small little community. Uh, at the same time, it's like uh, there was two others, but they they were always troublemakers, and they got me in many things. But they weren't particularly uh, adjusted to this story. So because I didn't have the chance to go out to like parks and smoke and drink with kids uh, and do all the things your parents don't want you to do, but you know it's part of the social interaction. <laughs> uh, me and my brothers used to build camps, you know, just bases up in the woods and and you know, chop down things and build shelters. And, oh yeah. You know, do the things you shouldn't do when you live in the middle of nowhere, such as plowing railways. And, you know, <laughs> which, come to think of it now, is horrifying and ridiculous. And if my, if I ever had kids and I saw them do that, I would freak so much. But, you know, at the time, you're a kid. Oh, yeah. Um, so we had this swing, as everyone does, just a normal big swing, just swinging back and forth. And my brother thought it would be hilarious to tie a brick to it and, you know, see how far the swing would, you know, basically rotate around in circles. Now, Kind of seemed funny at the time, of course, <laughs> until the point where I may have stepped forward and in its roundabout motion, it caught me smack straight in the face oh. and broke my two front teeth on a bank holiday Monday. So uh, <laughs> my parents killed me pretty much. You know, obviously very upset. I was in a lot of pain, but it was a bank holiday Monday, so there was no dentist open. So we had to travel about 40 miles to the nearest one. And yes, thankfully, I, I got two lovely caps and you can't tell now. But um <laughs> Yeah, it's it's one of those things that you do when you're young and you go, what were we thinking? I can't believe I did half the stuff. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a message to parents. Just because you bring your kids up in the middle of nowhere, they're probably safe from predators and drugs and alcohol. But at the same time, they're going to uh, make their own creative uh, fabric. <laughs> probably more likely to kill themselves than anything else. So, just a terrible story here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Right. Moving on. All right, so kind of more toward the gaming side now. What is your earliest gaming memory? Oh, um, all right, earliest possible. <sighs> Can you count Game and Watch? Yeah, yeah. Mole Basher. Nice. Uh, I think it was, I don't know if it was called just straight out Mole Basher, but, uh, you know, two little red buttons. And I used to be able to get it really fast. Like, and, uh, yeah, I don't know if anything clicked in my head at that point. I think the first console I played on might have been a Spectrum. I went to, my father went to one of his friend's house and his friend's son had either a Spectrum or an Amstrad or something like one of those old school ones and uh, I played what, what appeared to be like a bouncing ball bouncing along a rainbow road with holes in it and you had to just steer it left and right to stop it going in the holes and it blew me away because <laughs> I had up to that I think I'd actually played on the NES I, I, I played it like my, a couple of my friends had an NES and they uh, they stuck me on after I played a bit of Super Mario Bros they stuck me on Goonies 2 on the password screen and said I had to think of a password otherwise I couldn't play so I just sat there for half an hour entering random numbers and letters until they relented and finally let me play the actual level. That was mean. <laughs> that was mean. Yeah. Those are like the first like abiding uh, memories of a games console because uh, I think um, uh, I was more into stuff like, you know, Ghostbusters and Thundercats and He-Man when I was very, very young. Understandable. Knowing that you were going to ask questions, I tried to think of this question. Uh-huh. And I honestly don't know. Which is a horrendous answer, I know, but it obviously I, I I graduated to the NES from personal computers, so I I was busy playing with my Amiga and my Amstrad. So the thing that pops to mind, although it seems rather late, is is stuff like Dizzy, which 
it's actually quite late into that generation. But um, I mean, th- there's many games that I think influenced me into being you know the person that enjoys games today. One of them was a game called North and South, mm. which is like um, a, a strategy. It was less less of an RTS, but there was certainly like a, an aspect of move your troops here, fire here, um, and and not just you know a commando style game. That was one of the big ones. But, yeah, it, it was probably on my green and black, so my grayscale screen on my Amistrad. And I believe Dizzy was one of those, or Stunt Car Racers, something like that. Just really basic lemmings. Um, nothing quite as archaic as Elite or anything, although I'm pretty sure I must have played that at some point. But I think the one that sticks out, the one that really went, wow, this is like proper gameplay. I'm, I'm going to stick with Dizzy because it's a really sh- ridiculous game. You're a moving egg, a walking egg, platforming, <laughs> and it's just... Daft. So I know that sounds. It seems too late to me, but uh, yeah, maybe I'll come back if I can think of the the actual game. <laughs> All right. It's now. This doesn't have to be early, but uh, what's your fondest gaming memory? I mean, this can be like last year, or this can be way distant. Fondest. Well, this actually. I mean, some of the one of them does definitely relate to Tony. We were living in. Uh, uh, I've mentioned this several times before on the podcast, so apologies for repeating it, but oh, no, it doesn't fall under this one. Uh, it, uh, we were living in a uh, house, it was me and Tony and uh, Liz and Sharon, and it was three stories. In my bedroom I had my Xbox and my uh, TV, and he had his Xbox and his TV downstairs, and then we got another Xbox, I think it was Liz's Xbox, upstairs in the attic uh, with a tiny little TV. We had LAN parties on Halo, and that was awesome. Beautiful. Just being able to shout up and down the stairs uh, whenever you got blown up. That's, uh, <laughs> it's something that, I, you know, I love playing on, on Xbox Live, but it never quite captures the immediacy of being in the same house as somebody who just blew you up. I completely agree. Tony just went all the time? Uh, let's see. It was me, Tony, Paul, Liz, sometimes Sharon, and one or two of my friends from uh, TGI Fridays, but just anybody who popped around the house would probably get in, you know, roped into one of these sessions. <laughs> Those were good. Uh, my main issue with that period was that I, like I said, worked at TGI Fridays, which meant that a lot of the week I was sort of free, but the weekend was the busy time. So I would work all day Saturday, a lot of the evening on Saturday, uh, and all day Sunday until Sunday evening, which meant that I never got to see whenever Paul, whenever he came round, because he was always on Saturday oh. evening. So I, I'd, I'd know that he would, had been round and they were having fun without me. That was a miserable time in my life uh, for being friends with Paul and Tony, because I hardly ever saw them. Uh, I can Ironically, considering I live with him. <laughs> I, I've worked those restaurant weekend shifts myself. I, I can sympathize. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. In my mind, there's about four or five games which there's absolutely specific things that have stuck in my mind that you know, I think have moved me on to, to want to experience this platform more and more and more. I think the most impactful one, and a lot of people go, Ugh, but it, it's it's Halo, believe it or not. Yeah. It it comes pretty late in obviously in, in the cycle of consoles and, and whatnot, but it's the moment it's I believe it's the second level when you come on to uh, land on the, the actual Halo for the first time. And I've told this story countless times, and I'll, I'll tell it again. The moment <laughs> you, you land on the ship, and oh my god, there's a huge environment. It looks cool just for back and back at that time period. And you move forward, and there was a, a wraith. That was a banshee, wasn't it? So there's a banshee flying around, and I took down the banshee, and it, it come flying towards me, and I had to run out the way uh, as it comes crashing past me. And, and I think my heart was pounding. I was like, I've never seen any kind of combat like this before. And it really lived up to its Halo combat of old tag and 
Yeah, sure. I think the franchise has, has gone all over the place, and it, but that moment there, I think I realised, wow, gaming is is progressing something more than just you know these small pixels on the screen. Although stuff there, things like I don't know what some of your other questions are. So I have got four other particular ones that really changed. I think. Yeah, you go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've already mentioned North and South, which yep. was a mega game. Really, I think at that time it was just this strategic battle um, stuff a bit like almost like Command and Conquer and that, that really caught me at the time but wow I haven't ever played anything like that so that's the first one um, Super Mario World that was the one on the snares wasn't it good answer um, <laughs> I never I never actually owned well I did own that very l- later in the generation but it, when it first came out I, I was lucky enough to go around a friend of mine's because I was very much the, the Sega boy at that point and I saw him play that and my floor and on my floor, my jaw hit the floor. I just, I couldn't believe the colours for one that was popping from the screen, the music, just the way it played, the pixel perfect jumping. And yeah, you know, I'd played Mario games, but this one just seemed another generation leap, which it was, of course. But I, I just, I couldn't believe it. And I remember going around my parents, oh, around my, I remember uh, begging my parents to go around my friend's house over and over again. He lived quite far away in his screen, so it, would, it was, you know, they had to go, we basically had to go and see his parents for me to be there. So I kept bugging them, and when are you going to see them? When are you going to see them? Just so I could go and play that game. Uh, and it was a good, probably five or six years later before I got it myself. So, I mean, strangely, I, I completed that game at his house over multiple visits. Um, and that was a big gaming memory for me. Then it, then it went on to Halo, um, and, it, Rainbow Six as well. Oh. May, mainly, and it's, it's not one, but not for the game itself, just for the start of Xbox Live and the start of finding people that had similar interests to me that weren't just, you know, live next door or down the road. It was you know, a whole mecca of different friends that I would uh, still know to this day. You know, seven years, eight years down the line, I still know a lot of the people I played on Rainbow Six and they're still on my friends list and we still talk. Nice. So to me, that that's forging relationships. It doesn't matter necessarily how good the game was, but it's the memories of all these, where these people came from. So yeah, I think they're they're the the four games that really shaped me. I think where gaming was moving. All right. Now, when you were very young, what did you want to be when you grew up? Mm. Uh, when I was very very young, I think the first thing I ever wanted to be was a baker. Really? Uh, yeah, I just thought I like bread, I like cakes, I could do that, and eat as many bread and cakes as I could possibly make. <laughs> uh, and then I worked out that you had to get up at like four in the morning or something. <laughs> Didn't like that. Then I wanted to be an airline pilot and. Um, I think somebody told me that uh, the average age of death for an airline pilot is about two years after retirement because their body gets so used to the constant flight that they just shut down, which I thought, that's not going to be me. (laughs) Um, And then I think I wanted to be a rock star, and then I think I wanted to be a movie star, and then I wanted to be a director, and that abided for a long, 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 long time. I don't think it's really ever gone away. (laughs) Oh, and for a couple of years, I also really wanted to be a contract killer. Uh, what? I, I, well, I don't know. I had a certain moral flexibility, and I felt that I would I would have been capable of doing that. And I was looking into I don't know joining the army and and just uh, it's it's not that I was desperate to kill. I just felt that I was equipped to, and I might as well make a decent living off of it. I don't know. That, that oh. was before I became more interested in creating. What age, what age was this? It was like is this like uh, little seven year old Alex thinking you know no, I this, do this. <laughs> no mid to late teens. Okay, <laughs> hmm. that's not an answer I'd expected. 
It's a, it's a really, for people that know me, I, they know this wouldn't be me at all, but it, it's a really stupid answer. So when I, I used to play football a lot, like a, a ridiculous amount. In, in fact, there's a brilliant story of me dumping uh, my wife Liz now when I was first, was dating her at school, so I could go and play on the football team more often. Because uh, you know, at the time she was just in the way of my career, <laughs> uh, which is horrendous, I know. And you know, obviously when you're young, you just kind of have these stupid ideas in your mind. But it, it makes me laugh now that I remember playing in. So in my stupid little Crowhurst, where I, I grew up, in, you know, lovely little place. But we used to play football on, on there's a big field there every day, and it used to just be me and my brothers. Nobody else used to be there. And every time a car went past, I used to think to myself. Oh, this could be somebody that see my talent. I used to try to do like the best skill move just to score a goal. So maybe they would have been this weird football agent that would come past and go, oh, "My God, we need to pick him up." Um, so that's a ridiculous thing, but and that never happened, unfortunately. Ah, uh-huh. uh, I could have been a multi-millionaire and probably just arrogant and horrible. And my second one, I've said this about what I, I always wanted to be, and. The thing that makes me really sad, it's still something I could probably strive to be, because it's, it's not without my reach. But I've always wanted to be in a venture. Um, yeah, one of these guys that go whitewater rafting and stuff like this, one of the kind of the adventure guides, um, just to do that, just to kind of see people enjoy themselves and enjoy the activity of life and not get so bogged down in kind of the, the daily grind of, of work. So... I mean, that's what I'd love to have seen when I was young, just just to follow that path. And I don't know why I didn't, because it's, it's not an unattainable thing, but some, for some reason I got into gardening. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that actually kind of answers my uh, next question, which was, uh, now that you're older, what did you want to be when you gr- what do you want to be when you grow up? But uh, so yeah, adventuring yeah, guy. Like, yeah, adventure guy is so I, I know so broad, but I, I would just love to kind of grab the world by the, the hands and not just you know play by the rules all the time. And I, and I think that's probably would be the best best method but unfortunately like any all of us you know we all end up having to to you know pay for houses and mortgages and you know bills that come in and something like that just seems so far away from that which is a depressing thought i know but maybe one day when i'm another 20 years older and 50 and probably too far too old to uh do any of that stuff <laughs> but uh it's a nice dream oh sure. yeah it's a good answer too that actually kind of ties into my next one it's like now that you're older do you have anything you want to be when you grow up Mm. I don't think I'm going to grow up. Uh, I was discussing this with Sharon the other I think the thing I would most like is to be my own boss. For, for the longest time, I wanted to be Peter Jackson or have his job. But looking at what has happened to him since The Lord of the Rings, he's, he's wasted away, and he's just it seems like it's eaten him. Mm-hmm. And he, he just does not seem like a happy and satisfied man. Yes, there was the art, and yes, that that will live on. But the price that he's paid... So, you know, when I was very, very young, well, sorry, when I was a teenager, I figured, ah, oh, who cares about me? And this is all about everybody else, and I've got to put stuff out for, for the people, and they'll appreciate it. But I, I think Joss Whedon, you know? <laughs> I think, oh, he has a great time of things, you know, being cancelled left, right, and centre. He may as well think, right, I've been greenlit. I may as well cancel it now, because it's going to happen. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I think the, what, what Jonathan Coulton does... So to be surrounded by a community who actually get him, I'm currently most definitely on track for being able to do that. Whether I make a living off it uh, is, is beside the point. As far as I was saying, I've, I've got the community there already, and that's fantastic. So in other words, I'm already well on the way. Absolutely, I'd say.
I thought, first of all, I was just going to maybe have you reflect on uh, 200 episodes. Can you can you believe you're here already? Um, <laughs> you say already. I've, uh, it's, it's a constant, not struggle, um, it's a constant challenge, and a good one, a really good one at that. Sometimes it gets, it sort of weighs me down, but uh, it's... It's kept me going, and it's the it's the most fun thing and the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my entire life. So, oh. uh, yeah, not only can I believe I'm at 200, it feels like 200. <laughs> so, four years ago, did you think that you'd still be going, or what did you? Question. I didn't know. I, I think. Um, uh, well, I'm sure Tony will mention this as well. But back when we started, it was just a way for uh, Paul, Tony, and I to reconnect and to do something that we all had in common and just mm-hmm. chat about it. I figured we were going to be talking about everything we've been playing and watching anyway. We may as well record it and, and stick it out there and see if anyone listened. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it was. Um, I'm not sure. Did I think I'd still be going in four years? I thought we'd, yeah, actually pretty much everything that I hoped had happened has happened. We got ourselves a really good community. I always wanted a forum, even though a lot of people said, oh, don't go with forums, they're dead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tim specifically said that. Don't even try forums. It's like yep. the Stone Age. But uh, <laughs> I'm really pleased that we proved him wrong on that because uh, yeah. that's, that's one of the, uh, the things I really like about DC, just the, this, this constant dialogue going back and forth about every aspect of video games. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think we'd be, you know, stupendously more popular than we are, and I'm really glad we didn't remain in total and utter obscurity like we were. (laughs) So if that answers your question. Yeah. Sometimes it's kind of good to start out in that obscurity. You know, Tara and I did that too. So it gives you a little time to kind of get your feet and figure out what you're doing before you're getting a lot of listeners, you know? Yeah, do all your shitty episodes before anyone can hear how bad you are. And then, I was I was listening to one of your first ones uh, earlier this morning, though, and I'm like... I'm oh, so sorry. No, they weren't that bad even at the beginning, so that's good. Well, it's, it's always weird, isn't it? Because what does 200 shows mean necessarily over, you know, you doing your 100 shows or anyone else doing their 50 shows? That you put four years of sweat, tears, and labor into uh, putting out a podcast... And that's the bit that scares me, it, because that's four years of my life that's gone amazingly quick. I don't feel like we've been podcasting for four years. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I previously had said this with Dan uh, in a in a form of that I, I think I definitely know that I've grown up over those four years. If I yeah. go back now and, and listen to you know the Tony Atkins of episode number one, and yeah, like this nervous guy talking to two of his friends, not really knowing what they're doing, to somebody that now can just turn up, you know, an hour before a show and and Pretty much yeah. in his head, and uh, so I, I think we, we, the podcast has definitely grown. I think both Alex and me have grown uh, in the way that we present ourselves, and we're a lot more strong-minded of the vision that we have for our show. Um, yeah, I think it's so, weird just looking back at life in general, especially you know when you're past you know whatever twenty-five, and your yeah. life isn't changing so much anymore. You're like, whoa, that. That was ten years ago, or that was five years ago, and then but then you start thinking about all the stuff that happened, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, there were a lot of <laughs> things going on during that time. Yeah, I mean, four years is a, is a long time in, in anybody's life, and, and it's uh-huh. weird now hearing a lot of new podcasts that are coming through, which is fantastic to see that it's you know podcasting is still taken off massively with people. Uh-huh. But, you know, they're, they're talking about that they were born in 1990, and I'm going, what 1990? That's the mecca of the year that I was really into music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
mean you were, you weren't even born? My God. Oh uh, yeah, I know. Which is strange. So yeah, four years is a long time. Um, so I, I don't know how much to, to talk because I went into quite a, a long kind of diatribe of, about this with uh, with Dan. So okay. Um, this will probably just be a companion piece actually of how. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is four years is a long time, and it's out of everything I think we've done. I'm ama- I'm both am- amazed and very proud that we uh-huh. are hitting episode 200 because you know that's that's a lot of work that's gone into that and we've said time and time again how much work actually goes into a podcast. Yeah. Uh, and I think by it's now it's a labor of love though, you know. It is. Yeah. <laughs> sure. The one thing about your podcast is because you have topics every week. Mm-hmm. Um you don't talk about a lot of personal stuff. Yeah, we just get down to it, don't we? So you get you get little bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. And one thing I was curious about was now you were uh, you you are Alex Shaw, but you were not yeah. born Alex Shaw. Ah, yes, I, I must have mentioned this before, but you uh, you've mentioned that you changed your name. Yeah. And so, what was your original name, and why did you change it? Right, uh, my original name was Paul Alexander Shaw. I was christened that, and uh, up to the age of 19, I was just Paul to everybody. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I think just hanging around with Paul and Tony for three years, uh-huh. it was just like Tony and the two Pauls. <laughs> and, I mean, that that was one contributing factor. Um, uh-huh. The other was that in... in in leaving home, I felt like I needed to sort of strike out on my own and have a fresh new beginning because I, I was not yeah. a happy teenager. So uh, I thought, well, maybe sort of rebranding myself would uh, <laughs> would, would help there. Well, and, yeah, um, we all think that when we strike out on our own at 19, but it's a pretty mm. drastic move to change your name. Well, the other thing was that I just, it never really sat right with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the name, um, this is absolutely no offense to Paul Shotton, but the name literally means small. <laughs> Whereas Alex, or Alexander, means defender of mankind. <laughs> no, you know, I, I, could, I could be an Alex. So did you change it just to Alex or Alexander? It's technically Alexander, but only uh-huh. Banks and, uh, yeah, uh-huh. just Banks call me that. <laughs> well, I guess I should understand that because I actually did sort of change my name when I, when I went off to college because I was Cassie. Mm-hmm. All my... And every time, like, you know, when I went to junior high, I tried to get everybody to call me Cassandra. And then when I went to high school, but everybody knew me still. So right. then when I went to college, I'm like, I'm Cassandra. I don't, I don't want to be Cassie anymore. So right. I guess I can understand it. But Cassandra sounds so much more dramatic than Sassy, though. It's like, I am Cassandra. And you sort of sweep your hair back and look at the ceiling. <laughs> well, that was the thing. It was like Cassie. Well, there was a few different reasons, but Cassie is so cute and perky, and I'm cute and perky enough. <laughs> See, when I think Cassie, I think Casio and little non- non-Nintendo Game & Watches. But now I'm sassy, so that, you know. <laughs> well, it's very, very appropriate. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so speaking of you and Tony and Paul and them, how did you guys meet? Uh, uh, no, hang on. Um, I've already covered this in Dan's thing. We we met. I mean, we we'd, met, we'd known each other from school, but we met at a movie. It was The Rock. Uh huh. <laughs> and we we started hanging hang out from there and found that we really all liked films a lot, and that was kind of the thing that bound us uh-huh. together. It was less video games in those days, days, although we were all into video games as well. Yeah. But uh, movies, we were movies is something that you can all sort of go and do at the cinema. And back in those days. Back in those days, the cinema cost less than a fiver, especially if we were students, and yeah. uh, of which Paul and I were, and uh, that, it was just so cheap to go see a movie. I would go 
back in those days in, in what, like 97 through 99, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'd, I'd go to the movies for just all day and I'd watch three, sometimes four movies. <laughs> that was great. For somebody incredibly lonely to be able to actually, uh, you know, because I mean, Paul oh. had a, uh, Paul was at college most of the time. Yeah. I was, uh, let's see, when was this? this would have been like on my off days from uh, community college, I suppose you could call it. Uh huh. And Tony uh, had already got himself a job, so, uh, yeah, but I'd have to do something to fill the empty hours. And that was good. So did you all grow up in the same town? Did you kind of know of each other when you were younger, or...? Um, I moved to the same town as them from not far away, like, you know, three or four miles away. Which is, um, like, a hundred miles in, in yeah, English when you're a, distance. when you're a little kid in the <laughs> early to late 80s, that's so far away, you may as well not even be in the same uh-huh. uh, planet. Um, and uh, I moved around about the same time that I you know, went to start at high school, or... Okay. Uh, yeah, the British equivalent, and um, they went. They were in the same year as me, so they came at the same time, and we sort of, you know, knew of each other. But mm-hmm. I, I, we ended up meeting through other mutual friends. So we what kind? What sidelined as we became much faster friends. What kind of teenagers were you? Were <laughs> you? Did you play jokes? Were you mischievous? Were you kind of the nerdy straight kids? You know, in all seriousness, I think um, Tony and Paul have not changed since they were teenagers. They were very mature back then, and they're very mature now. Uh, I've changed the most because I was a twat back then, and I'm amazed they hung out with me. And I'd like to think I've somehow matured. <laughs> I was going to say, are you sure? No. <laughs> but, yeah, no, Paul, Paul was always incredibly um, uh, serious about everything. I mean, he was also one of the funniest people I've ever met, and he remains mm-hmm. so. Tony was maybe a little less serious, a little bit of a twinkle in the eye. So they were, they really yeah. balanced each other out perfectly as, as friends. And they were the, the two of the best friends a guy could hope for and, and still are. I just got to see them a lot less. But I talked yeah. to them a lot more. So well, less physicality, more words. So do you and Tony live near each other now? Oh, God. Uh, in American terms, yes. In British terms, no. We're about an hour and a bit away. Again, Daniel covered this. We're about an hour and a bit away from each other and mm-hmm. uh, we see each other. Because of Tony's massive workload, I think he just did 60 hours this week. Yeah. He very rarely gets free time, and because of Lyra and the distance, it makes it very difficult to arrange days to just okay. can go and hang out. And uh, it happens, like, maybe once every two months now. Mm-hmm. And Paul every- comes down from London occasionally just to, to stay, and that's good yeah. fun. But you get to hang out every week on, oh, on yeah. your podcast, and yeah. I'm sure you, you know... Xbox Live and everything. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, we're never... <laughs> out of each other's email or conversation or thing like that. So it's, that's good. One thing that you've kind of talked about a little bit is uh, that you kind of grew up in a family of all boys, right? Yep, yep. Who, who were kind of manly men who didn't really understand or, or appreciate your, I guess, love, the of, games. Game, love yeah. of games or media. Films. Yeah. How did you deal with that? How did, you, how did it shape you? Um, it's odd, isn't it? Because ultimately, I think they understand it now. Yeah. Um, looking back on it, you know, I had some fantastic times with my brothers playing, uh, certainly the N64. I think that was probably the height of, you know, playing games together. Um, and my brothers are, are very widely different in age group. So uh, mm-hmm. my two oldest, you know, my two oldest brothers are basically about eight years separated in age from me. So uh-huh. it's quite a big gap when you're growing up. So you know, when I was in my you know, early teens, you know, they had obviously left school and, and yeah. doing their own thing. So I got very close to my my you know 
my brother Neil, who's only 18 months older than me. Okay. So I, I think we, we shared a common interest of games, uh, but he was, you know, I said this before, yeah, we, we were very much a, a manly men family and my brothers went all up and went fishing and enjoyed that and mm-hmm. I was, I was, as my mum describes it, and this will make a lot of the audience laugh, she was the closest she ever got to a daughter. Um, which is, which is, yeah, which I actually don't mind because all that means is that, you know, I'm, I'm actually in touch with a feminist side of me. Yeah. I actually don't, you know, I think it's actually quite a good thing. If yeah. anything, it makes me more of the, a modern day man than any of my brothers because they're still kind of being the, the rugged guys that, uh-huh. oh, yeah, still do this. Um, and I'm kind of like, well, yeah, fine. Today's society is very different from that. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think I'm actually more well equipped to cope with what is being asked of, you know, Mm-hmm. people now to deal with technology and computers and can yeah. see where it, it's going to lead us in life rather than they they have a very negative opinion of all that stuff because uh-huh. you know, they decide to you know, reject it as a younger age so so I'm you fine. have I'm fine you just have the three brothers yeah okay yeah i could i thought you were five of you for some reason and you're the youngest yeah You'll never get over that. Even at 30, I'm still I, the youngest. Uh, me too. At 40, yeah. I am the youngest. <laughs> yeah, I still walk in the room and I'm like, ah, oh, here comes the baby of the family. Like, yeah. Jesus Christ, come on. And there's also <laughs> there's also a big gap between me and, well, there's six years between me and my closest sister. So it's very, it is weird. You get a bit of a different, like their their family experience is different than my family experience. And you probably have that same with your older brothers. That, yeah, you know, yeah. When they it's, it's almost like a two, like a split group between yeah. the, you know, the four of us, which is very strange, I know. But you know, I, so, I see my my Neil a lot more than I do the the two older ones because you know they've definitely moved on and, and different parts of the country. So yeah, in my family we're all pretty bossy, but when I get with them, I'm just like, okay, I'm letting you be boss, you be the boss, because yeah, because <laughs> I'm the youngest and you guys don't think I can do anything, so. <laughs> Well, you know, and in all great traditions of family, my brothers used to pick on me something chronic because I was the youngest, so they oh, yeah. me down, tickle me, and do that things. But oh, yeah. my my brother Neil used to always punch me in the stomach. No, not hard, but just yeah. you know, in that kind of way. Even to this day, when I walk in the room, he'll do the actions to pretend to punch me in the stomach, and I still bend over a double, <laughs> in, like in anticipation of some sort of pain. And I know, I know what's about <laughs> to happen. Yeah, I still do it. So that stuff rubs off. Don't don't anyone else believe that you know being bullied as a kid, even by your brothers, doesn't carry over for another fifteen years. <laughs> well, I my sister when I was uh, about seven, and she must have been taking like a course in school about psychology or something. But I mean, she was like thirteen, so it was no big deal. But she learned in school that tickling was all in your mind, like being ticklish. Hmm. So she sat on me. <laughs> And tickled my feet <laughs> until I cried. <laughs> but I am still not ticklish on my feet to this day. So she was right, but she just decided she needed to experiment on me. <laughs> not fair. Actually, what I would, I, what I would actually jump back to is that obviously you say that we don't bring our necessarily our, our personal lives onto the show mm-hmm. like many other. I mean, if for example, you know, I, a show like Game of Dog. They're, they're very front and center about, you know, their life, their life experiences and, and yeah. they put that right there, which is fantastic. And I, I really applaud them for that because I think that's one of the reasons I absolutely love that show. Yeah. Um, and it's not something that we, we don't necessarily go out of our, or go out of our way to kind of not bring to the show. Yeah. It's just that when you focus on one particular topic, it, it's very hard to bring that. I mean, you can talk about your life experiences and mm-hmm. we quite often do that about, you know, there's something that is, is relevant to what we're talking, maybe, you know, love, death. 
yeah. uh, romance, then you know you can you can draw upon that. But yeah, we're we're not quite the the jokey show shows that others. And yeah, I, yeah. I, to some people, I think you know that maybe they're put off by that. Um, I don't know. I but, think that's your strength. I mean, I think the fact that you aren't just another podcast where people sit down and talk about what have you been playing, blah 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 blah. Not that yeah. I think. I mean, I think. Which, the, the strange thing is, the the one request we get more than anything is a "What have you been playing?" segment of the podcast. Really? It is, yeah. You, you, we hear that more and more, which which is fine because I think that's what does bring personalities out. We 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 will experiment. I think we will be doing a bit more of the the game yeah. club stuff. Yeah, I was um, gonna say you've been doing like the game club kind of thing, but I mean, I think yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's. <laughs> Maybe it's admiration coming from other podcaster, you know, being like, wow, every week you guys are super focused. You have a guest, you have a topic, you have a format, you know, that you've researched. And, and I, I don't know, maybe as other well, podcasters look at it, you go, wow, that is a lot of work. And I, and I can tell you why it originally happened like that is because we looked at every other podcast and said look you know we can we can be just another one of these these guys you know we did that for 50 episodes to be fair um and it, it got us nowhere and we're like well how can we be different so it, at that at the very start i think it was a, a conscious decision to say okay well we need to essentially be the best we can mm-hmm. be and if that's breaking tradition then then why not um of course, now that that's become our, our very much our motto, and it's continued uh-huh. all the way through now. And you know, I, I guess more within the last couple of years, it, it's very much the focus. And it's not that we—I don't think we—we're just too scared to revert back to and, and let people know who we are because we're not. I, I think we've told many a, a grand story about our personal lives. Yeah. It, but it, it's a double-edged sword because once you've you've gone down that route, and when people. As, you know, they come to the Digital Cowboys, they expect a certain style, mm-hmm. expect a certain standard, and a certain level of quality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it comes to actual recording day, there's a lot of work that's gone into making sure that yeah. the, the, the topic's been as researched as possible. And then on top of that, you know, whether we actually, because the biggest problem is we, we don't know everything. I mean, Alex and me will be fairly honest, you know, we know a lot of stuff about games, but quite often we we don't know anywhere near the amount we need to know for a topic that we're exploring, yeah. hence why we have so many guests on. Yeah. Because they're our backup plan. But even then, people still go, oh, you forgot this, you forgot that. <laughs> and you know, it does grate on you a little bit, but then, you know, that's that's kind of the bed we yeah. set down for ourselves, which was to be different. And, you know, it's cool. Well, I said I wasn't going to talk about the podcast. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's my own fault. I keep asking questions. So in all these years, what is the most meaningful or important thing that Tony ever did for you? Mm-hmm. Was there a time in your life that was really hard that he supported you? Was You know what? I actually am going to say it's this show because there were times when I know Tony was at the point of going, yeah, fuck this. This is too <laughs> much effort. This is too much hard work and you're being an overly controlling bastard. Because I am. <laughs> um, and I really, for not just saying, oh, sod it, and not just throwing it in when it got tough, Mm-hmm. I really, really am thankful for Tony for that. I'm trying to get more personal. You're supposed more to personal? tell me about the time you were, like, you know, drunk and broken down. And it sucked me off, cried. but I didn't want anyone to know about it. <laughs> <laughs> God, how did you know that? <laughs> no, I um, hear it in your voices, you know. Tony and I have never had sex of any kind, unfortunately. <laughs> um, unfortunately. Mm, okay. Yes. But um, <laughs> the best he's ever done for me. 
<laughs> it's, it's odd because there's so many like like loads of little sweet gestures he's made over the years. Uh-huh. But I can't think of one single massive magnanimous moment. Uh, I, okay, right. Um, okay, this uh, this Christmas just gone. Um, uh-huh. We had the, uh, the 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 digital cowboys donation drive, yeah. and Tony is still owed from that. But because uh, but my financial situation was so goddamn dire, yeah. I couldn't afford to be able to pay him from that. So he, he, you know, basically, at the end this year's one, he's getting all you know, he's getting paid for this year and for next year. So he, he uh-huh. will make up for that. But he hasn't bugged me about it, and he hasn't sort of mm-hmm. he's just understood, and that that was fantastic. Very cool. Um, oh, he sold me his TV once, and again, didn't bug me about the fact that I couldn't pay him <laughs> for a long time in small increments. Uh, yes, that's a, that's a true friend. You know, you got, when you give a friend something or you sell a friend something or you give them money, you just have to assume you're not going to get it back. And then when you do, I, did pay him. I, did. I know, I know. But then when you do, it's, it's good. You know, then you, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's a, a while. That was one of the, you remember the old Sony ones, which are like proper square, huge things. Yeah. And it just ran and ran and ran and never had any issues. And I, in the end, I ended up giving it away. Um, <laughs> Not last year, but a couple of years ago when we moved to Tunbridge Wells, because well, you know I wanted to get a new HD TV and it was time to move it on. But I, it didn't ever explode on me. Mm-hmm. As far as I can tell, it's probably still going. Hello, oh, I've waited here for you ever long. Tonight. I throw myself into And out of the red Out of the head she sang Come down And waste away with me to be I'm over my head out of the head she said and I wonder when I sing along with you if everything could ever feel this real forever anything could ever be this good again The only thing I'll ever ask of you Gotta promise not to stop when I say when She said This is completely on a different topic I know, and I know it's been a while but um what is your favorite World of Warcraft class? <laughs> That's a trick question. No, no, I, I want to know. I'm curious. Now, I I, I played Paladin. Um, play, played, either or. <laughs> and it's well known that the Paladin class is pretty much good for nothing. Um, 
Because it, it's it's a great solo in class. That's what it turns out to be. Because you can heal and you can do an average amount of DPS, but you can neither do you can do neither particularly well. They've actually changed that a lot with all the, the recent patches and stuff, and you know they've made it a bit more strong. You can you know, yeah. spec spec either way a, in a bit more kind of strongly. But at the time, that's what I liked. Now the class I always wanted to play, but never got far enough to, you know, never got a character up to seventy, eighty, or anything like that was a hunter. Ah. Just because I, I, the biggest problem with a paladin class was you never had any range attack, so it was always uh, up yep. close and personal. You go, it didn't matter what what it was, you'd had to get in there, which meant you had to heal yourself a lot because you were in there. Even the, I believe in even the um, the tank had the ability to pull with you know at least taunt, um, which is so that's really depressing. So I always liked the idea whenever I was having a hunter, they could just, from what I could see, they could just basically just right click on the mouse button fire some arrows and go make a cup of tea, come back and, you know, by which time whatever their, their beast of choice managed to kill a whole group of mods. <laughs> uh, mobs. <laughs> I was always quite envious of that while I'm sitting there just fanatically kind of healing everybody and, ah, i got to do everything. So my, but still, I, I played that character for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours, if not thousands of hours. And wow. um, so I, I, I grew to love my paladin, uh, my little paladin dwarf named oh. Ghostworld. No less. Ah, nice. <laughs> I love him to bits. Paladin. Paladin. I always like to be able to heal. I'm not I'm not a fan of potions. I don't like having to stock up on them. Um, although, ironically, if you're going to be healing yourself a lot, you're going to need mana potions. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like to be as self-sufficient as possible. I mean, I, I, so most of the other classes, there's going to be some handicap for soloing. Totally. Like, if you're a rogue, you're going to end up spending so much of your time just running away. When you bite off more than you can chew, when you're a hunter, it's it's a case of just constantly keeping them at bay until they close in, and then it's just a sort of, you know, desperate struggle to be able to finish them off. When you're a mage, you can't take any damage. When you're a tank, you can take it, but you can't deal it out anywhere near as much as a rogue. It's, a paladin is a really nice balance. And okay. yet, at the same time, I'm not a fan of druids. Huh. Did you ever try the shaman out? Sorry, yep. totally yeah, you know what? I, I, I rescind that uh, paladin thing. I prefer chamois. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the being able to throw down totems and lay waste to people. And you know what? Rewind, Death Knight. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely slaughtered with my Death Knight. That was great. That was uh, just devastating them. That was great, yeah. Uh, and anything with extremely uh, good solo abilities. Yeah, something that somebody who can pull something out of their sleeve yeah. when everything goes wrong. Yeah. The uh, seesawing de- negative side of that is that I have never really experienced raiding because I haven't sought out groups that I can be useful to. Yeah, me neither. I don't think I could ever commit. This is like a really unfair, impossible question. If you had to pick a single favorite game of all time, what would it be? Rock Band 3. Oh, that was easier than I expected it to be. <laughs> well, no, originally, uh, it, uh, World of Warcraft was there for a long time. I'm fairly certain Tony's going to say World of Warcraft. Um, but uh, it was it was Rock Band, and then Rock Band 2 was better, and then Rock Band 3 is even better. I, did, I, I don't think there'll ever be a time when I don't want to put Rock Band in and play it. It, it, it is the game with the, the greatest longevity, and I love the overshell of that, and the, being able to just look at my library and go, look at all the songs I have there. <laughs> It's better than my iTunes. Now, I'm going to guess Alex's was probably Metal Gear Solid 3. Actually, no. Surprisingly. No. Okay. Or Rock Band. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That was one. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> either or. Uh, both fine choices. And at one stage, probably Rock Band 2 could have been mine. But to me, it's actually quite easy. And I, I've said this time and time on, on, on the show. I, I still believe that um, World of Warcraft is the best game I've ever played. And I, I understand why people scoff at that because, you know, you look at 
you look at how maybe how old it's dated and some of the animations and you know its quest structure is well just go get this and, and return that i get all that but much like my answer about the the um finding groups of friends on xbox uh i i had a huge group of friends on playing world of warcraft and, and i played that game for thousands of hours and it became a second life pretty much a second life to me um and it, although the quests were simple it, it doesn't mean they were rubbish it, it just means that the tasks that we're asking you to do were simple but the actual actions to maybe take down a mob or a boss or you know something in a, in a raid was hugely complex, uh, and it wasn't simplified at all. You know, the idea of just, you know, and a question mark over somebody's head and go and kill ten mobs, mobs are far different from taking down a major boss in a raid. Oh yeah. Uh, which, you know, you could take countless of people and knowing your, knowing your role within that group, uh, group set, which is, you know, is a very important and really interesting skill set to learn. So I actually learned how to manage, I think manage, uh, teams quite well. I was a guild leader for a while, which I found really interesting. Although just frustrating because people always love to argue in those things. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I actually find Worldcraft amazingly deep, and the fact that it's still going today, and the fact that new content is released, what we've seen almost every month, um, and that world still stands up today. They've had a number of graphical pass, but you know, and it, it, it I still think it looks beautiful. I agree. I agree. I'm... Um, yeah, and although I don't play it anymore, and I don't play it for good reasons, uh, purely <laughs> purely for addiction reasons. Um. It still doesn't stop that the hundreds and thousands of hours that I put into it, it was probably the best experience I've ever had. So a PC game turns out to be my favourite game of all time. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Love it to bits. Do you have a favourite band? I'm curious. Uh, I hasten to say Pearl Jam, but really I just love Ten, their album. (laughs) Um, That's fantastic. Let me think. I'm going to say Muse. Good call. As much as I love Pearl Jam, I th- oh no, hang on, rewind. <laughs> Foo Fighters. Ah, uh, you have good taste. I fucking love the Foo Fighters. It's those three are at the, at the, uh, the absolute top. I think I love Pearl Jam the most out of uh, in terms of Ten is my favorite album of all time. Uh, but the rest of their albums, I could, you know, they're good, but nothing that really blows me away like like Ten. Uh, Muse have a fantastic body of work behind them and they have songs which just make me go Jesus this is fantastic and the Foo Fighters have got albums full of filler but singles that are just sublime yeah hey this is Alex in the post edit I just want to correct a grievous error I should have said The Beatles oh I wish I was so much into music like Alex was (laughs) (laughs) he had he'd spent a while choosing between three I bet he did yeah um something I, I go through uh, I said fits and starts. I think that's, that's the right terminology. Um, I, I went for a stage of really absolutely loving music, um, and then kind of grew out of it. And then I went for a stage of absolutely loving films, and kind of grew out of it. And I seems like I've settled now on games. So a lot of that other stuff now is put to one side. So I don't really keep up to what music's being played now. I'll do, I do listen to the radio, but nothing particularly jumps out to me. And I love many of the old bands. So people like obviously the Who. Um, you know, right up there, I think it's some yeah. amazing material. Um, the Foo Fighters are, are absolutely brilliant. Um, a lot, of, but you know, a lot of the classic stuff I kind of listen to and, and appreciate, but don't necessarily fall in love. Um, so this is this is a lot harder than what's your favourite game to me because <laughs> I don't think there is any definitive answer to me. I, I enjoy all types of music. Strangely, what many people won't know about me, and not even Alex to a degree, I don't think. I absolutely adore female artists. Really? Much more so than male artists. And I, and 
my wife Liz actually says that my music taste is more akin to a woman's than it is to a man's. And I kind of agree with her. I actually quite like cheesy pop. Um, I quite, yeah, I think a female voice for some reason gets to me more emotionally than a male voice. Although, you know, God, I'm digging myself a hole here now. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I'll take, let's give you an example. Recently, uh, Florence and the Machines album, uh, Lungs. Absolutely. That, that, that thing can send me into floods of tears. Really can. If I, because I've listened to it so many times now. Fortunately, I've never seen her live because thinking tickets sell up so fast. <laughs> and although she's a pretty new artist, she's only got one album under her belt, it doesn't make her any less impactful for me. So something like Florence and Machine for me is, is kind of the pinnacle of what I'm looking for in a kind of a female rock artist. Um, but obviously they, they stretch back. But uh, yeah, game's a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be able to answer half of these questions. That's why I'm asking them. Yeah, it's it's odd, isn't it? I don't know why music... Uh, music, to me, is something I listen to in the background. It's not something that um, emotionally affects me like it, it does some people. Strangely, I let games do that job, and or, you know, and that's a love-hate relationship because so few ever manage to achieve such heights. And I, All right, I know the answer to this, and I think everybody else does, too. Favorite film? Hmm. You want me to reduce it to just one of them? But... Oh, you, you can say all three, it's fine. Okay, it's The Lord of the Rings... The Peter Jackson versions, Fellowship of the Ring and Two Towers extended, uh, Return of the King theatrical. Ah, interesting. Is there uh, any particular bits that you like that are cut out from uh, Return of the King, or is it just the length? Uh, no, it's it's the, it's it's flabby, and there are uh, bits of uncomfortable humour, and there are bits which just don't really make sense now that they've been shoved back in there, mm-hmm. uh, and they dispel a lot of the tension of when Aragorn's going to turn up by showing exactly how it happens. It it it's a, it drags anyway. This is still, you know, my my favourite film of all time if you count them together. But um, just just the theatrical one is is tighter. I would miss Saruman though because it was a, a, a dreadful travesty cutting him out of the uh, theatrical one. Mm, yeah, that's true. Mm. God, don't ask. Actually, no, I could ask. I could answer what my favourite film was. That's what actually what I was right just about to ask. So go ahead. Magnolia. Nice, good choice. Yeah. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson. That is right, isn't it? It's not Paul uh, Wes Anderson. I think it's right, yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you, you have to be careful which one. <laughs> yeah, that's a horrendous mistake to make. <laughs> very, very one. Um, I absolutely love him as a director. I love all his films. Uh, Boogie Nights is right up there as well as my oh, favorite yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. I love that one. Um, the, the way, as a director, he can drag out emotion from characters. Um, uh, just There's some scenes in, in Magnolia where... You can see the internal conflict going through these these you know these people's minds, and Tom Cruise puts in an amazing performance. And uh, to me, I, I just think that's the pinnacle of what I'm looking for for maybe a game to deliver. And it's all delivered there within that one film. It's not for anyone. It's a it's a tad quirky as well. Um, you have to be kind of into his his sense of music, his sense of style of direction. It's long, but all that stuff gets me. Um, and same as Boogie Nights, even stuff like Hard Eight, most of his uh, work I'm, I completely fall in love with. So, yeah, Magnolia, without doubt, I've, I've watched that film so many times, and it, it's got some r- ridiculous twists and turns, and the frogs at the end. So great. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. Easy. Nice. Just as an aside, I, I, in listening back through you guys' uh, back catalogue, uh, not long after you guys had me on and I uh, first heard you guys, I actually really found myself enjoying you guys' um, film just chatter and reviews, especially because movies are something that I've only recently started really trying to educate myself in, and uh, you guys gave me a lot of good um, 
titles to add to the list of kind of that education. So, uh, yeah, it, it's odd that I mean, obviously, we decided to, to take the show away for that for our own reasons. Obviously, Alex is now doing his you know his Gonzo stuff, which gives yeah, him the yeah. ability to because he never really left cinema. I mean, he left cinema because neither of us either have the time to go to the cinema and, and, or want to pay the money that it's, it's cost to go to the cinema. But he still continues to keep up with that on DVDs. Um, well, I, I, I don't know how people do it, but I don't have the time to, for everything. Um, and it, it seems like if I want to keep abreast with what's happening in gaming, that it, it somehow just it, it takes the time away from watching films. In fact, if anything, I kind of get more into uh, TV series than films now, just because I like the overarching storylines that you know give a lot more over a period of time rather than movies, you know, potentially three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Unless yeah. the Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings are amazing, by the way. As well. Oh yeah. Put that out there. <laughs> if I had to pick a second, it would be Lord of the Rings. Geeky as that sounds. Uh, not at all. Hey, hey I mean. You, you, I'm sure you know that was your co-host's answer. <laughs> well, completely. Yeah, and I'm with him. It has to be the extended editions, I'm afraid, because Two Towers is almost a different film and it's an extended edition film. That is uh, absolutely true. He, pro- he chose the non-extended version of uh, Return of the King, though. So. But that's because that film's got enough endings as it is, and it didn't need a few more. <laughs> true enough, true enough. Yes. All right, do right, you have a favorite food? Tacos. Really? Homemade tacos when they're done right. My wife now has... It becomes seasoned in being able to make uh, soft shell tacos from scratch, and oh, <laughs> when she gets them right and and they, uh, they they go all sort of bubbly and light and oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> I, I defy any restaurant to get as good as the, it's just your standard old El Paso dinner kit, but you chuck away the soft shell tacos and you make them with uh, the, the homemade ones. They're fantastic. Nice. All right. No, I've got to have good quality beef, though, for God's sake. <laughs> Pizza. Good call. How, how terrible was that? That's not terrible at all. That's uh, normally normally meaty variety of pizza, but if if it's got meat and lots of peppers and vegetables and then a few chilies thrown on top, yeah, it's it's not good for you. I completely agree. But yeah, as, as a junk food goes, I could probably eat that nonstop. Um, yeah, probably twice a week. No, not quite. <laughs> At least once a week, I try. I will eat pizza, um, and it's because it's so many foods into one. Even if you, you could potentially take your favourite tasting food and just put it on a pizza base and put it in the oven, there we go. Your favourite food on a piece of bread. <laughs> and now I'm hungry. All right. So, all right. If you hadn't stumbled into podcasting, games, or even games, I guess either one or both, what do you think you'd probably be doing instead with that time? Because you seem like the kind of guy who's always going to have a project and something that you're uh, working toward. Well, I started doing... Uh, have you listened to Blue Sun yet? I have, yeah. That was quite enjoyable to listen to. I'm interested Thank to hear you. more. I started writing that in 2001. I think I would probably be pursuing the writing career a bit more if, uh, if I hadn't gotten ensnared in the internet. As it happens, the internet has made writing very difficult. At the same time, it's opened up a whole new world of being able to self-publish. So uh, it's it's kind of expanded my, the possibilities of what I can do. You'd have to actually, it would be a significantly different world where um, podcasting didn't exist. For me, I, at some point, left to my own devices, I was always going to become a podcaster, I believe. I just wish I'd taken um, radio studies when I was in uh, uni. If I hadn't stumbled into podcasting, I think I would probably have... I still, I mean, I, I still, I can't imagine not playing games. That, that to me, you know, that's such a part of me that, you know, if I wasn't doing that, 
sadly, I'll probably be socialising a lot more outside, although that's something I still, I, I, particularly recently, I've tried to do a lot more, which is, you know, have, you know, I've got friends outside of, obviously, you know, Alex and podcasting and, and, you know, the community that we play with. Um, so I've been trying to pick up that a lot more recently, just because it's fun. Um, oh, I put, to be honest, I probably wouldn't be uh, creating something. Um, I, I don't know if this will come up again, but you know, I, I was, I'm pretty dyslexic. Some people know that, some people don't. Um, although we've said that on the show, so it's not a, a secret. I mean, it, I come from a, a family that was. Uh, was it's odd, Mike, because I, I come from a family that's very spread apart. One of my brothers went in to be a very successful person in the army, um, you know, a, a pretty much a, a commander, a general in the end. Um, and he's done very, very well for himself. And then as it goes down, you know, I decided eventually to kind of have my own business. And some of that was just because I wasn't, you know, my spelling isn't particularly 100% great. Um, and that was something that was picked up in school and something I worked at very hard just to get through my education and, and come out with my GCSEs. But what that led, and, and strangely, I actually don't mind this because what that led me to do is I didn't really want to be the person that was being told what to do um, because I, found, I always found that a lot of pressure on me and certainly when it came to exams and whatnot. So I decided to, to create my own business instead and be my own boss. So if anybody was t- telling me what I needed to write or what I needed to do, it was going to be me. Um, and that's helped me a lot over the past because I think that's what uh, another sign of dyslexia obviously is lack of confidence. And that's what a lot of that comes from. Um, so if anything, I think that what the podcast has done, it, it's, it's given me confidence that other people want to listen to what I have to say. It doesn't, you know, I, I've worked long and hard to, to make sure that, you know, my writing ability is, is you know, up to scratch of a 30 year old now. And it's getting better. Uh, it's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm not necessarily always on the forum as much as other people. Is you know, it's, it, to me, it's quite a hard experience to be sitting there and writing, you know, a 20-page essay, which, thankfully, most of the people who do on our forum is <laughs> place. Hence, why Twitter to me is is my sanctuary because you know, 140 characters long. Great, I can manage that. Um, so I probably yeah, the long-winded way of saying I probably wouldn't have gone on and, and created any wonderful written piece for a website or anything, but I. I, I would imagine that I would have continued on with gaming. And before we did the podcast, I was a, a member of a number of communities and was very active in kind of organising game nights and stuff with those. Um, some of which is still going and, and actually quite successful, which I kind of look back and go, hey, I helped create those. So I probably would have gone that. I probably would have gone more of the angle, just stayed with the community um, and then didn't necessarily need to be the, the person in the forefront. I'd been happy enough to be in the, you know, the guy in the background. <laughs> I'm sure Alex would have gone on to write literature which hopefully you still can do I used to rule the world seas that rise when I gave the word now in the morning I sleep alone sweep the streets I used to own
Alex a little bit about how you guys met and that, you know, I already knew that story and I think you talked to Dan about it too, but so I'm just kind of curious for you, what is your fondest memory of being young together with Alex? What, you know, what, what is a good story that is one of the best stories of the night of 17 bees? I I didn't ask Alex this question, so. Ah, well, uh, the, the greatest one that we we do recall um, was the night of seventeen beers. <laughs> okay. Uh, and this was one of Alex's parties. I think he was. Uh, I'm just going to pick a number up there. I, I I think it was something like his twentieth birthday party. Yeah. Like twenty first, um, and it was still back in you know the local you know it was Hurst Green where he, he lived back then, even with his parents. Um, so it was a, a number of years ago. So probably earlier than that. Uh, we're, let's just say we're teenagers, we're sitting there, and uh, Alex has a lot of friends over, a lot of people we know from school, and you know, uh-huh. we're at that age where we're kind of, oh, yeah, hi, hi, baby. Uh-huh. Actually, I was probably dating before Liz, so yeah, it was probably actually 18. Um, and, I mean, I wasn't a heavy drinker. Uh-huh. <laughs> Alex certainly wasn't a heavy drinker. Um, and for some bizarre reason, I decided to drink this entire case of alcohol. Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> it was, I think it was probably something like Stella. Or probably some cheaper beer than that. And it ended up being 17 bottles of beer that I drank and, and lined up on the mantelpiece in his house. Uh, and there was an instance with a giant gold dildo, uh, which Alex, for some bizarre reason, owned. And <laughs> okay, you can't just um, say there was some instance. <laughs> there was just an instance. A lot, a lot of... Uh, what happened with the, the? He has like a plate, gold-plated dildo. This he is something that I can't. I cannot. No, confirm this didn't come up in our interview. Um, and so that like everyone was very. I mean, I don't think they were drunk, but I was very drunk. And so, anyway, I drank seventeen bottles of this beer, and I lined them up on the mantelpiece, and I was very, very proud of myself as a, like a young teenager. Yeah. <laughs> Look what I did. <laughs> yeah, the, the back end of that story was for two days straight, I couldn't actually get out of my bed because <laughs> I was so sick. I do believe I probably had alcohol poisoning. Uh, oh, and, it, and it taught me about uh, limitations of the human body. Yes, <laughs> that's good. That's what you have to learn as a teenager. Like, You have to have yeah. a few cases of, like, I didn't actually die, but I learned my limitations. <laughs> that's good. I, I, I remember his father driving me home the next morning, and it was the longest trip of my life. Even <laughs> Uh, playing experimental jazz in his car as well. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Not the best thing. You're probably still a little drunk. We're out now. Okay, this is Alex in the post edit, and I'm just going to clear up a few things. Number one, it was indeed 1998, Tony, and we were all 18. Number two, as I recall, it wasn't one of my many parties, but just you, me, and Paul. Number three, you did indeed drink 17 mini bottles of Stella, which at 250ml each brings that up to a whopping 4.25 litres of beer. By the end of the evening, you were perpendicular and trying your best to fathom my father's vintage airman prefer shell print. You wanted to know why airman prefer shell. And finally... The golden dildo belonged to the girl I was seeing at the time, who left it suggestively in my room several days beforehand. To us 18-year-olds, it was somewhat intimidating. And as I recall, we put it on the mantelpiece side by... (laughs) Side by side with my replica Academy Award, which was about the same size. Just wanted to clear that one up. Carry on. Uh, So did you guys... I know uh, with you and Paul was part of your little trio. Yes. Yeah. Did you guys? He's as much as the show for a good fifty, sixty episodes, and yeah. yeah, yeah. So, did you guys play jokes on each other? Were you mischievous? Were you kind of just 
stayed in the background kind of guys or well, what kind of teens I mean, were you? Look, look who you're talking to. We're a bunch of geeks. Yeah, the <laughs> idea of us going out and doing, you know, well, knock down ginger or anything, yeah, <laughs> down the street is is very <laughs> unlikely. Knock down ginger. Are you from the past? Um, so no, I mean, our relationship was, you know, just a kind of geeky relationship. You know, uh-huh. used to, in fact, quite often we used to end up back at Paul's house, um, and you know, I think he had the best TV at the time, um, <laughs> money than both Alex and me. So you know, he had always had the, the newer, latest, greatest games. So. Uh-huh. Always crash back at his a lot, and uh, uh, to be honest, I think mean, the early years I spent a lot more time um, with Paul, without doubt. Uh, Paul, mm-hmm. and Paul were very, very good friends. In fact, like every single weekend, um, I used to go to Paul's house and stay over. Mm-hmm. So it, it almost became a second home. And uh, Alex used to be a part of that, but obviously he only lived about two miles away from uh, Paul, so he used to go home at night. Yeah, I lived further away. So well, yeah. geeky. It's I, uh, I think we, we've always been pretty geeky in our in our sensibilities rather than going out and, and doing ridiculous mm-hmm. stuff hence why the night of 17 beers is so memorable <laughs> so uh throughout the years what is what's the best part of your friendship with alex we'll focus on alex since uh you know he's your um, co-host now yeah <laughs> I think probably the, the greatest times we had with Alex was, or when I had with Alex, is when we shared a house. Um, oh, so okay. Now that's another thing. I just heard like a little blip, and I totally forgot about that. When was that? I, I think it was about 2002 until 2005. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so it was it was a good number of years, uh, and like any great house share, it starts off being the best thing in the world, and end up saying, "Okay, we need our own space." <laughs> <laughs> I'll be perfectly honest with that. Um, and I, yeah, because that's when we we talked always fondly about this having Xbox Live land nights because we had like a three story house, mm-hmm. and you know, each room, you know, each story of the house, we you know, hooked up an Xbox and had it all land out for the house, and we play play Halo One into the wee hours of the morning. Uh, so that was. That was some of the best times, I think. Uh, obviously, got to know Alex very well, living with him, and uh-huh. watch Aaron. And okay, so what's like his worst habit? His worst like? Uh, does he like pick his <laughs> no, nose or leave the cap off the toothpaste? <laughs> uh, that man loves a good shower. He also <laughs> loves making the shower the most wettest place you've ever been in in your entire life. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> like there's been a dolphin in the bathroom. Yeah, a little secret for you. <laughs> Does he sing? <laughs> when the yeah. shower? I don't know. That was never. <laughs> well, I thought maybe if he sang really loud, if you were walking by the bathroom, you could hear him or something. No, I mean it's a, the typical house share scenario. You know, on, on occasions you hear more than you need to hear. We have when there's <laughs> sweet loving couples. Um, was it yeah, just the two of us, or two of us? Was it just the two of you? No, <laughs> it was Alex, me, and Liz and Sharon. So you know. It, oh, it a, okay. Yeah, it was a classic thing of you know when you you're growing up and you want to leave out your parents and you don't see any financial way of being able to cope yeah. with it. And, you know, suddenly, half the cost of everything seems like the most you know brilliantly idea in the world. That. But, uh, yeah, and at, at the same time, you know, another case of we were growing up as couples and you. Know, mm-hmm. you Point where you know, 2005, we just definitely needed our space. Well, did you guys both get married in 2005? We did, yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. Was um, it like a big double wedding? And no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> We're not that good of friends. <laughs> 
So well, I mean, you... it's it's odd though because you talk about relationships, and I think like most people's relationships, certainly everybody I know, it, it's as you get older, it's it's harder to to see each other all the time. You know, mm-hmm. it's I, I I reminisce back to those days when you could just come home and you know we used to go to the cinema all the time because it was about Christ two minutes walk away from my house, so it was uh-huh. a really nice house in Crawley. Um, and we used to do stuff all together. Alex used to work at TGI's and we used to go to see him when he was at work and we'd get uh-huh. 75% off the bill. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, we used to have the, the best steak meal in the world ever and pay like £4. So yeah. there's no point just buying food from the supermarket. We'd just end up in TGI's every night. It just, so, uh, it just blows my mind that TGI's is actually good over there because <laughs> that here it's no. <laughs> but. But yeah, nowadays it's it's hard because you know we live our separate lives. Alex says, you know, obviously Lara his kid, and you know, yeah, I'm busy working, and you know, we try to fit other friends and family and, and all that stuff. So and then you have all the podcast stuff you have to do. Well, I mean, and that that's why the podcast started originally is because after we we left each other, you know, left each other in our house, uh, you know, after we do kind of drifted apart as, mm-hmm. as friends a little bit, just because you know. Life's work yeah. and complications, you know, pushed us apart. And the whole point of the podcast back then was to bring me, Paul, and Alex together more at least once a week, talk to each other. Yeah. Um, yeah, four years yeah. later. It is hard because I suppose you were what, probably early 20s, 25 then, sort of around then? Yeah, so we've been going, yeah, you know, I'm 30 now. So it's pretty, yeah, it was 2005 we started the podcast. So. Yeah. 2007, you mentalist. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, especially at that age, it's, you know, you get your late 20s, you can either start drifting apart from those people or you have to do something to keep them in your lives. You know, so podcast, yeah. good idea. Have you ever got, have you ever had a falling out? Have you ever fought, whether over the show or whether personally or? I, I think I would be lying if I hadn't said that things did get very tense last year, uh, exactly around the time that Gonzo Gaming came out, for that precise reason. It's, uh, there was various goings-on, and it, it, I desperately wanted to do more than just video games. Yeah. And, um, I don't know, it, it, it put a strain on it. And, uh, yeah. Like I said, that was one of the times when it, it got very, very tough. Yeah, I mean, you could you could tell you guys went down to every other week for a little bit there, and then you know you're trying to find your footing again a little bit. Yeah. Um, do you, how do you deal when you have conflict over the podcast? Because that's something that people ask Tara and I all the time. Do you guys fight? Um, do you guys fight? And it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> I think we've had two very tense, occasionally loud phone conversations, oh. but most of the time we just sort of send emails back and forth and don't actually unload on each other. Which is good, um, but uh, it's it's tough because Tony's very very peaceable, and I like to drag mm-hmm. everything into the open and discuss it. Yeah. Um, so uh, <laughs> it, that's a difficult that's a difficult um, way to get both your points across. Yeah. Because you know one of you has to calm down a bit, the other one has to actually get a bit angrier a bit, because otherwise you you can't meet in the middle. Yeah. Have you ever argued during a show? <laughs> No, I don't think so. I don't think there was ever actually... I think there was one point when I got snappy about... I think I got snappy with Paul at one point. Um, I can't remember. It was one of the earliest shows, and uh, mm-hmm. I think he scoffed at something. I uh, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he scoffed something that, that, that basically implied that I was a total philistine and an idiot and an ignorant twat. Um, <laughs> 
And I basically just kept reminding him about it over and over again for the rest of the show. Just uh-huh. like, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> but again, that was kind of in jest, and I could tell he was getting exasperated. Um, so but yeah. Did you ever have problems, like three friends, sometimes when I was in school, but you know, girls are different than guys. Mm. Do you ever have problems with, oh, these two are being better friends and leaving me out, or we're better friends and we're leaving this person out? I don't think there's ever been a time in, in our friendship when it, it's, imagine it like a tripod, um, mm-hmm. but that it hasn't been leaning more heavily on two legs than, than the other one. If mm-hmm. I get closer to Tony, I draw away from Paul. If I get closer to Paul, I draw away from Tony. If Tony gets closer to Paul, they both draw away from me. It is weird, but mm-hmm. it's like we're all... Actually, under the surface, I mean, I'm, I'm a lot less under the surface, but we're all actually pretty intense. And so when it, um, mm-hmm. when we're sort of like throwing ourselves into something, we, we sort of exclude other things. And that unfortunately does extend to friendship. It's, it's rare that we will perfectly balance between the three of us. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 you know, it's been so, it was so weird when Paul left. I understood why. Mm-hmm. What? When did he leave? Broke the, um, he left around episode... Well, he, he left for a break in the late 80s. And I think he, he pretty much totally left in the early 100s. Okay. Um, but I don't know. The, the problem was that what we wanted to do involved so much extra work and so much extra research and effort that mm-hmm. Paul was already, you know, had so much on his plate with work and actually throwing himself into rock band and stuff that he didn't have time to, to do uh-huh. all the other stuff. And it just felt like too much on his plate. And it was also, we were getting very serious about it, whereas Paul just kind of wanted to do it for fun, and, yeah. which is t- totally understandable. You know, the whole point is if it becomes not no longer fun, you should stop podcasting. And he yeah. did, but it, it kind of broke it up and then put it way back together. And we have undoubtedly gotten so much better since then, but that doesn't mean I don't really miss those times. And every time he does yeah. get to come back on the show, it's such great fun. Did you have other people on the show? Say I haven't listened to much uh, before 100. Mm-hmm. Did you guys have other people? Did you, like, now you always have guests or, you know, mm. the majority of the time? Most of the time it was just friends. We'd have, like, one friend every now and then. It was usually just the three of us, but we had our, our friend Tom came on. Uh, our, uh, a friend of mine called Sam came on for a couple of episodes very early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, our friend Tony Edwards came on for a couple of times. Our friend uh, Jamie came on, who's very close friends with Tony from Xbox Live. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they just sort of came on just to, to share in a bit, because back in those days it was really only our friends who listened to the show yeah so may as well get them on as well <laughs> yeah um so they can listen to themselves <laughs> but uh no, i mean the first proper proper guest we had was chris o'regan followed by Edie. oh okay <laughs> i don't know would you call chris proper i don't know oh he is so pro- back in those days <laughs> we were gushing no I, I, all of us were starstruck we're like oh, an actual professional podcaster on the show <laughs> Hey, I was Star Trek, Star Trek, Starstruck. You were Star I, Trek when you met us. When I was on your show, so. <laughs> so, have you guys ever had any major falling outs? <laughs> uh, we've had our fair shares of rough and tumbles. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, for, like any creative project, whether it be uh-huh. a podcast, a film, I'd imagine. You know, I, I've never been in a band, but so many bands split up. Yeah, uh, having that, you know, disagreements of where they want to take stuff. Yeah, uh, and, and I'm and I'm not going to pretend that the road's been, you know, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Just so you know, I did sailing. ask, I did ask yeah. Alex this question. So yeah, and, and I'm sure he was as honest as, as yeah. I'm being. <laughs> you know, which is I, I I think the important thing with any of this stuff is to keep it out 
of the limelight of the actual people that are listening to your show. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, we've been pretty open, certainly on the how to make a podcast, you know, mm-hmm. the procedure, it, it, you know, the work that goes into making a show. Um, but there's some stuff I think that is probably always best kept behind closed doors. You know, if we mm-hmm. have disagreements with way, the way the show's heading, then, you know, you lot shouldn't know that. It, it, it's just yeah. the way it, um, do you, um, so, Tara and I get this question a lot about, you know, do you fight? You, you always sound like you're the best of friends and that type of thing. So, how do you guys deal with conflict if, if you guys want this show to go in a different direction or if there's a topic you don't want to cover or something that you think is bad or something you want to do that Alex doesn't want to do? Like, how do you, like, what's your dynamic of dealing with those conflicts? Well, I mean, it's no, it's, it's barely any secret, is it? I mean, Alex is is very passionate. He's you know he, uh-huh. he can be very argumentative with people, and that's his style. You know, that's uh-huh. that's what he brings to it. Um, I've always been a lot more of a calmer person. Like, you know, I yeah. Um, I mean, I think the the two styles suit suit the show because I think maybe I can come with a, a slightly balanced opinion where Alex can be you know going there with two feet and kind of. Uh-huh. No, it needs to be like this, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think yeah. actually, you know a lot of people like that. Um, to deal with conflict on the show, I, well, not necessarily uh, on the show, but things maybe behind uh, the scenes or that the, the the thing that people have to remember this this has to be fun. If if mm-hmm. we weren't having fun producing this stuff, then it, it would you know we wouldn't do it because you know who wants to spend their evenings mm-hmm. doing something that they hate? Nobody. Uh, and it's not like we're getting paid for this, so <laughs> you know it, it's a thing that we do, you know, for, for both Alex and me, and also for the community. And, and that's something that a lot of people forget about. Um, you know, when you know, obviously it's, this is very much about Alex and me. This show, uh-huh. but at the same time, you know, there's there's people that listen to this show week in week out, and you yeah. don't want to disappoint them. Um, so it's it, we keep this stuff behind closed doors. It, it doesn't happen that often, to be fair. Yeah. And if there's a topic that I want to cover and Alex doesn't want to cover, then we will talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. And if we feel like you know we can't make a show out of it, then we won't go ahead of it. And it works both the, the other way around as well. If there's something that Alex doesn't want to do, and I'm not unsure with, and you know, or I don't think it's going to be for the best of you know DC as a whole, then I'll let my feelings mm-hmm. be known because this is what happens when you're one friends and you've been doing it for so long. Yeah. Then you, know, you can just tell each other. You know, this is what I think. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not going to give examples because I, I think it's easier to keep it. Yeah, yeah. I'm just more of uh, not interested in you know example. I don't need to know the dirty laundry, but just how do you approach it? Are you do you get together and talk it through? Do you have a good fight and yell at each other and then okay now we can figure it out or like what is that above. dynamic in your relationship? <laughs> All of the above, really. <laughs> um, now I. I, I I've said this to Dan, and, and it's 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 still valid here actually. Um, if if you listen to where the show, if I mean, if you, for instance, if you if you took episode one and listened all the way up to this particular episode here, mm-hmm. you would hear how the show has progressed, yeah, and how certain themes become have been pushed to the front, uh, certain guest appearances, and you, you'll see the show evolve. And mm-hmm. that's you know that doesn't just happen overnight. That happens through background conversations between us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we decide whether we want to, you know, push more on interviews or, or whether we want to stay more within the, mm-hmm. uh, a community side. And um, I, I think the, the thing that we've learned is that we have to look ahead. If because we're, we're such a heavy research show, if yeah. we just try to do a show on a whim, then it, and it turns, then they normally turn up not great. Um, yeah. 
And we've lost, you know, Alice and me have actually just thrown shows away. But we've been, you know, we, we thought yeah. it was a good idea and we haven't put the research in and it's turned out not to be good, a good show. And it yeah. hurts because you're like, well, that's like two or three hours of, of you know, a night that's gone and we don't have anything to back up, back us up yet. Yeah. But it's the quality factor and, you know. <laughs> that happens. So uh, yeah, we I think we have you know we have a working relationship for sure. Um sometimes friendship has to be pushed aside and you know opinions have to be expressed. Um mm-hmm. and that's both ways. That's not one person, that's not Alex taking control, that's not me taking control. It's just Uh-huh. That happens in the background. I read the news today, oh boy. About a Is there anything you could got, that you wish had been done differently with the show, or like anything you wish you could go back and change, or fix, or not do? I I think our show is very organic. Um, many podcasts try to stay very rigid with their formula, and in in many respects, they get scared when they change stuff. Um, Alex and me have grown since we first started, what four years ago now, four and a half years ago, pretty much when you know, some of the initial ideas were coming about. So, you know, we're not the same people that we were four years ago. Nobody is because, you know, you, you grow up, you have more experiences in life. And I think, if anything, our show has, has grown up with us. So what once was, a, you know, a movie and game podcast, because that's primarily what we were into. It's, you know, it's not something that I particularly, I don't particularly follow films much now at all. Um, so that's not where we decided to take the podcast. And it's, yeah, it's got a lot more kind of focused on games. Um, and even with, the transition to games, I think you've seen some of the style kind of ebb and flow with different guests and interviews and then maybe ever often have more interaction with the community. And, and, you know, I think ideally we're trying to find a balance again where we have guests on fairly regular 
that aren't just within maybe inside within the UGN, but at the same time also have the community interaction and the, the people that we fall in love with the other podcasts. Um, I think that's the ultimate goal. Stuff we should do more. We probably should talk more about what we've been playing. Uh, it's a taboo subject because obviously we're one of the few shows out there that just completely pushes it to one side and says <laughs> well, we don't need to do it. Um, but it, it's actually fun when we do sit down and, and talk particularly about a, a single game. Certainly if we, there's one that both Alex and me love, then it's always fun. So I think maybe we'll concentrate more on that in the future. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't believe it's been four years. If anything. <laughs> and I don't, the, the thing with podcasts is that there is no limits of what we can do with it. Um, most of that comes down to time and also connections. You know, we'd love to have all the people that we, in our, in our minds, I mean, if people could look inside Alex and, and me, mine, minds, that's a <laughs> mouthful, then they would see this wonderful show where, you know, people like Peter Molyneux are on talking about the deeper subjects of, you know, where they want to take gaming in the future. But reality is that we won't ever have access to people like that. So you have to kind of, you know, people like Daniel Floyd, for instance. <laughs> Here we go. Who, you know, we believe is, is you know, is a, a great intellectual intelligence that also understands what we're trying to say. And nine times out of ten, actually, I think they're more interested in, than most of these celebrities would be anyway because the pressures of having that interview and, and getting it up on the site and, you know, promoting it in the way that, you know, has uh, been expected by them is actually a lot, a lot more work than most people would imagine. Uh, and also, it, it's strangely, it's one of those things where Alex and me are very careful about how fast the community blows up. You know, if we could have a fantastic big interview that brings a huge influx of people in, but then that would probably destroy the, the close-knit community that we have. So it, it's a juggling act. I don't think people really look at how much work goes into thinking, you know, what we can do, what we can't do, and, and where to take it in the future. But that stuff's happening always in the background. I think what we'd like to do in the future, we, we'd like to expand the website more. Um, with, you know, Game of Dork are doing a fantastic job yeah. over there. Um, and I think maybe we'd like to push towards that way a bit more. Um, have a few written, uh, written articles from people that, you know, follow the Digital Cowboys and, and really like what we output on the podcast. And if they want to input that into the show, certainly on the website, then, you know, we would. And we tried to maybe, like, combine, we, we get them on the show and we have that discussion anyway. But it would be, you know, nice to have those pieces up on there. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. I think that's probably. A, l- a long enough answer. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that you wish you guys had done differently with the show, or like anything you wish you could go back and change, or fix, or not do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, there was uh, no. There was there was one time um, when uh, uh, actually no, it was two weeks in a row when. Um, the guys from Gamers with Jobs came on to talk about gaming with kids. That was, uh, I believe, Sean Sands and Julian Rabbit Murdoch. And I was at that point, uh, I'd just come back from London from a, a, a very long uh, series of travelling. I think it was like five hours um, travel that day, and I was kind of delirious. But I was also kind of giddy at being able to have them on the show, so I, I wasn't actually in my right frame of mind. And my line of questioning was like, would you rather... You know, it was somewhere in the middle of the show. Was like, would you rather your kids uh, ended up playing Grand Theft Auto, or um, what was it, or, or smoking pot? And uh, you know, these guys have got. I think at least one of them has got toddlers rather than actually proper kids, and they, and they, they were like, oh, Jesus, um, Grand Theft Auto. And I just kept upping the stakes and going, right, okay, drinking, smoking crack. I think in the end, I changed Grand Theft Auto to Ray Play, which is the worst. I just basically thought, what's the, what's the worst thing ever? 
Great play. And I just assumed that everybody listening would just be fine with that and would laugh. Sean found it funny. Julian was weirded out by it, and I completely understand why. And uh, it was really uncomfortable after that, and I felt like absolute shit. And I apologized, uh, but I, I, I think he's always been somewhat uncomfortable about me since then. Oh. Um, which is, uh, J- Julian, if you're listening, I've already said I'm so, so sorry. But I'll say it again. And then the week after that, um, Jeff Ramsey and Bernie Burns from um, uh, Red vs. Blue came on. And they, we had a fantastic interview. And uh, that was one of my favorite shows ever. And then the couple of days after, I uh, sent them a, um, uh, a little audio file I'd made where I compared one of their characters' voices with another character from a completely different series uh, and said, oh, I just, it is, it's so weird that they sound uh, similar, but you know, were you inspired by this? And um, Bernie actually got kind of shirty with me uh, because he, he has to take it in the neck from fucking idiots on forums every day, just oh, yeah. you know, slating all kind, of, just just get going. You know, you guys are so unoriginal, blah 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 blah, blah and you know, just gets it all the time. So suddenly, from from his point of view, I was suggesting that they were unoriginal, and I wasn't at all. I was just going, "This is so cool that," and again. Um, I apologise, and he accepted the apology. But I, at that point, and I'm not sure if I've ever mentioned this, I was ready to quit podcasting forever. I was in my lowest place of all time. Was it because and of those two episodes, or is, was just a lot of other factors kind of contributing? No, it was those two episodes. Basically, I just thought, you know what? I that was double whammy of pissing off my heroes, and I, I don't know. It's it's like, imagine you getting John Lasseter on your uh, show and somehow offending him when you really didn't mean to. Oh, man. How crushed would you feel? Very How would you feel about jumping back in the saddle and going, hey, let's do some animation, and then going <laughs> into work the next day and everyone sort of going, oh, yeah, hey, how's it going? Uh-huh. Daniel Floyd upset the big man. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Tony was, was, was very supportive. He knew that I wasn't being a jackass on purpose. But... Um, it kind of shows you can't just assume that everyone you get on your show is going to get what you're saying and that you can't just assume you're going to be mates with them. <sighs> well, we're all glad you didn't stop. Yeah. <laughs> on the flip side, is there anything that you are most proud about of the show or like any maybe a specific triumph or accomplishment that you guys pulled off or just even just something more vague in general? Biggest compliment, it's still going after 200 episodes. <laughs> Going strong, and, I might add. Yeah, but and and I know that comes almost comes off like a flippant answer, but it, it's not. Um, it's it's very hard work keeping a podcast going. People would know that because many are fine podcasters that's quit after twenty episodes. Uh, I've seen even more fall after a hundred episodes because you know four years of anybody's life trying to organise this stuff is is a long long time. And as I said before, people change, characters change, and you know it's not a secret. I don't think that Alex and me have different opinions on stuff and we have a different opinion sometimes of where we want to take the show and, and what we're going to do on the show and you know it's it's been a it's it's been i think a triumph but man, somehow we've managed to keep all that stuff together to keep a show coming out pretty much every week um so not just on top of it it's only four it's four years old it, it's been out every single week that's that's pretty good yeah keeping uh, something going that long is a triumph on itself so my hat is off to you yeah and, and that's not blowing a trumpet. That's just <laughs> no. That's literally true. That it's it's really hard yeah. to keep something going that long. So uh, well done. It, 
Yeah, what I would ask for people, you know, on their forums, could you imagine, is there many forums you've maybe been a member of for four years and haven't had some sort of fallen out and, and left that place or any organisation? Your workplace after four years, you know, there's a t- certain amount of, oh, I don't want to be here. So, <laughs> yeah, I, that's, that's going to be our answer. Just the fact that we are still going strong after four years. And we still got ideas and, and you know, ambitions and wanting to pull through. We got one particular one which we've tried to pull through a couple of times, and I don't pro- shouldn't probably say it, um, and it just hasn't come to fruition yet. And it's a really neat idea, but it also revolves around a lot of professional peoples in the industry to come. Uh, um, I'm intrigued. And, yeah, and that it just it it's never taken. I think we we've tried for a number of years. Well, actually, it'll probably be a year now, year and a half. Uh, and just never had the success we needed to get it together. But one day, that will be the show, and I'll tell people when it happens. What exactly? That was the one show that we've always <laughs> dreamed of. Or maybe I should just tell people now, and they might go, yes, fine, I'll step up, I'll help. <laughs> because we've never got that far. <laughs> Many people have agreed, but no one's ever come. <laughs> mm. I look forward to hearing that someday. I'll tell you after. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, good. All right. Now, on the flip side, what are you most proud about about this show? Like, are there any specific triumphs or accomplishments? <laughs> you know what? Uh, I have one, but I'm going to make it a separate part at the end of the show. Oh, okay. Cool. Woke up, fell out of bed, dragged the comb across my head. Found the way downstairs and drank a cup. And looking up, I noticed I was late. Found my coat and grabbed my hat Made the bus in seconds flat Found my way upstairs and had a smoke And somebody spoke and I went into a dream Okay, now, Dan, you asked us what we were most proud of regarding the show, and I've saved mine until now. Okay. 
Last year, Tony and I conducted a two-man, 24-hour charity gaming marathon. The aim was to get a 5,000 gamer score for a brand new Xbox Live ID simply from playing games and scoring achievements. It was broadcast over the web, and members of our community were constantly online to keep us going and lend us support. And in the end, against all odds, we went from, I think, was it like 11 a.m. to 11 a.m., Tony? Something ridiculous like that. It was something like that. Gaming Nirvana in my book. (laughs) Hell. (laughs) Well, it was hell for me. Uh, Against all odds, reasons, and predictions, we got 7,000. I think it was 7,100 in the end? No, we got 7,000. Someone accidentally unlocked an achievement to give us 50 points in the end. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been me. Yeah. Uh, This was all in aid of Medicine Sans Frontiers, who help out disaster victims all over the world with desperately needed medical support. And all told, we raised £1,520. So I want to read you a letter we received as feedback recently uh, from a man named Alex Nash, who's an MSF water and sanitation engineer. Dear Digital Cowboys community, My name is Alex, and I'm a water and sanitation engineer. I've volunteered for MSF twice, building water networks and latrines for Sudanese refugees in Chad and during a cholera outbreak in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. In Chad, around 8,000 people arrived at our refugee camp in the four months I was there. They had walked hundreds of miles carrying children, drinking from muddy streams. If you were there, you would have felt that instinctive human reaction to suffering. An urge to take them in, give them a cup of tea, a blanket, something for their headaches or tummy bugs. And that is pretty much what you did do, albeit remotely. We, which means you and us, built latrines, supplied water and gave them nets to sleep under. We operated a clinic for minor illnesses, a hospital for serious cases and a feeding centre for malnourished kids. We made sure that having arrived at our camp, their health was in safe hands. In Congo, we were running a hospital and a cholera treatment centre for a people devastated by war. Cholera is easily cured, but without treatment, up to 50% of people infected can die. Toddlers, favourite grandparents, doting parents, boisterous teenagers, cholera does not discriminate. On Christmas Day, there was an outbreak in a nearby town, and they called us during dinner to ask for help. In two days, we built a treatment centre complete with 20 beds. We trained the local nurses and arranged to have every household's water supply chlorinated from door-to-door visits until the epidemic stopped. Afterwards, the townspeople wrote us a letter which should really be addressed to you. If MSF volunteers and workers are in the front row in the MSF scrum, then you supporters are in the back row. Without your weight and effort, everything would collapse. Anyway, the letter was very moving, particularly for a dirty, tired and hungry engineer covered in cement and sweat. They wrote, thank you for not leaving us to our lot. That message was for you, people who believe that with all humanity's wealth, technology and industry, no one's lot should be a quiet death in a pool of vomit on a mud floor in the jungle because they can't afford one dollar's worth of medication. Thanks for being on the team, Alex Nash. Now I'll confess when I read that, because Giles printed that for me, and I've got to say, before I've, this is all... Th- this is Giles who booted us up the arse and actually kicked us into mm-hmm. gear. Really, I mean, uh, we... Tony and I just... We're the monkeys who press the buttons. We, we really... This is, I, I'm not glowing with pride here at the thing that I have done. I'm glowing with pride at you guys and, and Giles for kicking this into gear. Giles printed this on the um, forum, and I actually broke down a bit because this is probably the best thing I've ever done with my life. And it's so stupid. It was a, such a stupid little thing we did. And it was, you know, we just sat there with our, our fruit and our juice and we played King Kong and fucking Sega Mega Drive collection and stuff. And you guys watched us on the internet and laughed at our antics. And, and, and you gave us money for the pain we were going through. But 
what this has done is better than than I anything I've ever done. And I'm, I'm, I'm just blown away by that. I think the easy thing, what happens in a lot of these events, is you forgot, you forget the calls that you're actually doing this for. Uh, and, you know, you're wrapped up in time about, oh man, God, I haven't slept for 24 hours, and here's the reasons why. And it takes a letter like this finally to come back and say, look, you know, the money you donated, and that's not, you know, us, okay, we donated a tiny bit, we just donated our time. It was you, the Digital Cowboys listeners, that donated that money. So that letter is for you guys, not just for us. Most definitely. Okay, so I'm irresponsible yet entertaining antics from the sounds of it saved lives and I'm humbled and honoured to be part of the community that made that happen and this year we're going to do another and we've been talking about this for weeks and it's time to set it in motion and actually give it a name and a a purpose Uh, we figured why focus just on us this year this is, you know, we're we're so proud of you guys fuck it, let, let you guys in on it let as many of you guys get involved as possible get everyone who wants to do something for charity initially, this started as an idea for a big charity run with as many DC members as we could muster but we quickly realized that geography meant that we'd be spending more money to actually get to one central point that could be better spent on just being given to the charity itself. I've actually been part of um, charity efforts where we've we've spent more money going somewhere mm-hmm. than we raised. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry to say I was actually part of a charity thing where the the actual pot was dipped into to buy drinks and things for the people who were actually doing the fucking raising. I actually I went a bit crazy on that one because it was like, what the fuck are we doing? I couldn't wait to get away from it. So I don't want that to be what we're doing and spending huge amounts of money getting it done. We've got whatever we do has to be cheap. Okay. So what we're organizing is a series of walks, hikes and runs in different areas and indeed different countries with as many or as few listeners who want to be involved, but not just running because we're all different types of physicality and body type and we have all Mm -hmm. different types of skill. So we shouldn't restrict it to just what the physically capable are able to do. So um, as well as the running, I'm going to be doing a 24 hour World of Warcraft session where I level a new character as high as I can with help from whoever wants to join my guild. Uh, DC crew member Motley Gunner is organizing a 24-hour multiplayer gaming session on Xbox Live on the forums right now that anybody can be part of, providing they have an Xbox 360. You don't have to go the full 24 hours, but he's hoping to keep at least one party going for the full time. And if anyone else has any ideas or wants to organize a run or something else in their area, drop us an email or jump on the forums and let us know. I'm pretty sure I know what I'm doing now. I, I, think, oh, yeah? it's, I think it's going to be the, uh, the Richmond 10K run. Uh, I will do that with you. So, which is in, in London. So, if anyone lives down that area, then it's easily accessible. And yeah, more that's more details on that will be coming soon. But to 10K. me, okay, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not huge, but it, it's certainly not insignificant. So. Yeah. Okay, this will all lead up to one big pot that we're going to let everyone put their sponsorship money into, and the charity of choice this year is Child's Play. Now, Dan, you did an episode of extra credits on this, didn't you? Yes, I did. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play segments from that episode so that because you did it so well you made me just like go yeah, yes this is fucking brilliant I we this is something altruistic that came from gaming and so I'm just going to play that now and we'll come back in a second enjoy the voice <laughs> yeah child's play is an effort of unambiguous good think about how many things you can really say that about it's a charity set up by the folks over at Penny Arcade to provide games and systems to children in hospitals. Almost all the revenue actually goes to charitable efforts, and every year they manage to raise over a million dollars to make the lives of suffering children worldwide just a little bit easier. The headlining event of this annual fundraiser is the Child's Play Charity Dinner Auction. 
For a moment, in the sky bridge of the Seattle Convention Center, we as an industry transcend being a money-making machine and return to what, at the core, we really are, purveyors of joy. The industry finds its heart again, and we do so with grace and dignity. We do so with the class and elegance befitting the occasion. We do so with laughter and cheer and a spirit of human kindness. To get to the event, you have to ascend through four quiet stories of Seattle's unique convention center. Once you pass the lip of the final escalator, you enter another world. It's like a scene out of some strange, philanthropic, gamer F. Scott Fitzgerald novel. Everywhere, your friends and acquaintances, your t-shirt and jeans buddies, are dressed in tuxes or formal gowns. There's a sense of regal dignity and mirth, levity and gravitas. The champagne flows freely, and all around you familiar faces smile and friendly hands clasp your shoulder or embrace you or grasp your hand. For a moment, this game-making community is a family. In that moment, you remember why you took up playing games in the first place. The joy and wonder, the illimitable possibilities, and the friendships it's brought you. And for those who make games, you look around and you remember why you decided that this was the only thing you could do with your life. That you would be underpaid and overworked for the rest of your days just so you could give a little bit of that back. As hard times continue to loom over both the industry and the nation at large, in this microcosm, James saw us grow up as an industry and saw hope. Real hope that by coming together to support those less fortunate, we may weather the worst and come out the better for it. Never has the spirit of the season felt so clear. To Mike, Jerry, Robert, and Kristen Lindsay, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for organizing this event, and even more importantly, the charity itself. We can't begin to say it enough. We'd like to make 3,000 for Child's Play this year. That's twice what we made last year. But I know that if we pool our resources and everybody mucks in, then we can make that easily. I'm not going to reveal here or ever how many listeners we get, but let me just say, it wouldn't take much from all of us together. Right, just so it, it perks us up a bit, obviously, from this charity stuff. You know, I, well, I'm perky. I'm, well, no, I'm definitely perky. I'm, I'm it's really, a very serious yeah, subject. I mean, yeah. Um, and, and next week's show will be quite a, a perky, fun little area. But uh, just before that happens, I just wanted to, to thank a few people that have actually really helped us get to uh, Digital Cowboys episode 200. Yeah. Um, first of all, Paul Shotton for being there at the very start, you know, coming all the way. Was he doing 40, 50 episodes? We really should find oh, that out. Nearly 80. Nearly like 80. A, I think basically he, he actually went on hiatus near to 90, and uh, then he came back for a few. Uh, he, he missed a few out, but it's something around the 80, 90 mark. Yeah. Um, and, and he's guested in between times as well. And he, he's always still been a part of DC, even in the background. He, he can be found on the forum. He still likes to be called, uh, you know, I was once on that show which is kind of cool. So, Paul, thank you very much for being there. And, you know, being as much as the show, I think, as us, certainly in the earlier days, this, it, you know, DC wouldn't be what it is now without Paul's input, certainly along the way. Um, Tony Edwards, for being there at the very start to make us realise that we had more than just our friends listening. Tony mm, Edwards was mm. a good friend, but he also got his office listening to us. And yeah. I'm sure, Sassy, uh, you'll agree with this. It's, it's always that weird feeling of, oh, somebody that we don't know. Strangers listening. are listening to us, yeah. <laughs> yep. It's, it's just bizarre, and as, as it seems very strange and small now that you know a guy has got his friends in his office to listen to us because you know we've come that much further now. But back then that went a hell of a lot to us. So mm. thank you, Tony. Um, Edie Sellers, oh, yeah. um, along with Chris O'Regan at the, at the same time, um, big podcasters in our eyes, very very big podcasters still are uh, still doing their own shows, uh, shifts and game hounds. Just having a belief that you know. Podcasters that have been around the block, that's not meant to be offensive, but you know, it's just you've been on the scene for a long time and actually saw us and said, No, look, actually, you've got some good stuff. More people should listen to you and actually helped us along the way, gave us some tips. Um, Edie Sellers, 
she got us in touch with Platform Nation. Um, so Steve Artlip, you know, we moved her obviously away from PN eventually, but that gave us a lot more listeners. And I know we still have listeners back from the Platform Nation days. So also goes out to Steve Artlip. Um, Rob Bulgis for giving us a shout out on uh, Gamers with Jobs. Just a small thing, but once again, huge amount of listeners. It jumped doubled up. our listeners. Um, really nice guy, and he's all you know. Anyone from the Gamers with Jobs crew, of course, work on our show because they're a fantastic podcast. But just a small little token um, of appreciation, really. It's just you can't imagine when you're doing a podcast. It's just someone shouts out your name, and I run these. Let's face it, they're huge Gamers with Jobs, and you know. It, it brought us, you know, a, a few hundred more listeners, and to us back then that was massive. Tim Wheelsey and Karen Sonic. Um, Tim for helping us um, set up forums and the website, and Karen for literally doing a, re, a repaint of the forums and, and getting it up to scratch. To, you know, that most of the uh, listeners that you know enjoy the enjoy the DC forums really have those people to thank to, and, and Tim still still helps with the tech support back there. Um, Stephen Thompson Jones for being the community manager. Just for another one, uh, an early listener, we really who believe this is from the very, very start. It's turning in like an officer's speech, but I'm getting there to the very end, and don't play the music, <laughs> no! Um, oh, one other person I want to thank is Ben Fordy. Ah, uh, uh, Fordy. Better known as Fordy to everyone else on Twitter. A, a true stalwart of the DC community. Yeah. Um, he's donated a lot to the DC, he's donated a lot of his personality to DC, and... Uh, I know we popped we popped his podcast cherry if I remember rightly. What, 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 we did, yeah, <laughs> and, it, and he was, he went back and listened to all our episodes and he's been massively supportive. Um, yep, so one more, Ben. Thank you yep. very much. Thank you, Ben. Uh, your uh, <laughs> your episode your special episode memory stick will be on the way. Yeah. Uh, with this on it. Oh, and actually, now we're, we're talking about James Batchelor and Neil Taylor of Game Burst. Uh, James and Neil have been incredibly uh, good to us over the uh, past year or so, and uh, specifically Neil's been on uh, pretty much every Gonzo that wasn't just a straight-out audio article. Neil's been been a major part of so uh, thanks very much, James and Neil. And uh, also, Elaine and Leia of Some Other Castle, they've only just started podcasting here, but when yes. I found out this, <laughs> I was like, Yes! It was like, uh, I, I worked out, it was like someone was telling me that a new rock band game was out this week. It was like, oh, what fun. The, the reason is, because they show me, at least, how two close friends can work really, really well in a podcast. They've got a, a, a chemistry which is pretty close to ours, and they seem to know each other like we do. I think we've known each other a hell of a lot longer, but they seem to be really, <laughs> really old friends. So uh, They, they, they certainly talk about more penis than we do. Yeah, we should, we should do that. Yeah. Do we yes. talk about more boobs. That's what we need. Anyway. Yep. <laughs> Misogyny, that's what we need. Actually, no, no. It works for them. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Speaking of women's bits. Yeah, actually, one person, or actually, I, I'm going to do this for both of us, dude. Um... Dude, you're going to do both of them? Yeah, I'm going to do both of these. I really think we need to thank our wives. This takes a lot of time it, and a lot of hours that we could be spending watching TV or going out and interacting with our, our beautiful wives. And, you know, I, I, I know it sounds really weird, and once again it seems like the Oscar things, but seriously, the support that they give us for doing this yeah. stuff and the, the evenings are a loss to this. You know, I think you always need that backbone behind you. So, you know, it's okay. I'm just going to you know let you do that, and that's cool. So uh, seriously, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much, Liz. It means a lot to me that you're standing there when we do stuff like this, you know, lose a whole evening. So. Yeah, absolutely. Without 
our, our wives supporting us, I don't think we'd be sane enough to carry on doing this. <laughs> and uh, you, you have patience that most other women would be proud of. So thank you, Liz, and thank you, Sharon. To the many, many, many guests we've had throughout the years, there's too many to name, of course, and if you've been listening from the very start, you know... I think I might name them at the end of episode 201. Jeez. Fair enough. I'm, I'm compiling a list right now, but I will, I will add that at the very, very end. So, obviously, there's many, many guests, and hopefully you'll hear from 201. And probably most importantly in all is you, the listener. And I know that sounds sappy, but I'd, I'd love to believe that Alex and me would be sitting here every Thursday, Sunday, whatever night that we choose to record, and just be catching up on this show. Maybe we would, but what makes it that much more easier is that your feedback, we know that you're there, we know that you're listening, we know that we, have, and we now have a solid base of listeners, and the figures don't go massively up or massively down. You come back every single week and download the show and listen and give us your feedback. And really... We cannot thank you enough because that's why we do this. I just want to thank a few extra people before we go. Uh, Matt Fowler, guy who taught me how to podcast. I don't know if he still listens, but if you do, mate, thank you. You taught me the basics, and, and a shocking amount of what I still use every week is the basics. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I, I, could, I could have done it without you, but I, I'd, have, uh, I'd have had to find someone else to show me how. Uh, the guys from Giant Bomb, for me, were the, the guys who showed me how to do a podcast what you know? What would be entertaining? How to keep it pacey and moving? And they've definitely attributed to a lot of our uh, our listeners because they gave us a shout out once. I'm sure Giles came to us from them. He did, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, Giles, huge, huge help on the forums. Huge green arrow of our Justice League of DC. Seriously, he's been fairly absent a lot recently, but um, the, all the stuff you did for the charity and just being there and, and, and just being able to back us up and being you know, smart and having well-reasoned arguments. Seriously, you hide that huge heart beneath a flinty exterior, but uh, you don't hide it very well. Oh, yeah, Daniel Floyd. <laughs> seriously I mean we got huge amounts of new listeners from you and really really good listeners I think Combine came from you so I mean Dan you basically when you came on it upped the quality of our show and made us go yeah you know what that, that's the kind of episode we want to be going for and every time you come on, you've come on since it's just reminded us why we do really great things and the work you and Portnow and Alison do every week incredibly inspirational to me and every time I go oh, I don't fucking care about games I watch one of them and go you know what I do care about games I care where we're going light bulb so, yeah yeah thank you awesome. uh, well thank you I'm glad I could be of help and uh, thank to you guys in turn because uh, in discovering your show ever since you guys and ever since you invited me on I have listened through all of them and uh, you guys have become a regular part of my uh, kind of work week listening schedule and uh, giving me like lots of movies to watch lots of games to try out so it's Favor has been returned. And well, I've got to say to Sassy and Tara, before you jump in there, ladies, <laughs> we can't not say thank you to you because while you may not have necessarily inspired us to change our show or brought us huge amounts of new listeners, you have been the kindest podcasters to us. You showed us such a great time last year and you have always, always been absolutely lovely to us. Well, I was going to say thank you to you, which we did put, put a thank you out there on our 100th episode because... Yeah, yeah. Oh. For us, you were our Kropotkin and Edie Sellers and gamers with jobs. Oh, wow. And uh, you were the you were the people who you know helped us out, and then you you had us on your show, and 
I think probably an hour before we recorded, you sat and talked to us about podcasting <laughs> and how to do it. And <laughs> so you guys were great and, you know, helped our numbers. Down. Before that, I think we had about 20 listeners. So <laughs> And now you got 26. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. So uh, no, you. seriously, I, I feel like we still owe you because of uh, <laughs> how lovely you've been to us. So um, and thank you. So and thank you for organizing all of this as well, because oh. it must have been a bitch to just throw it, you know, all of this stuff together. I was going to say thanks for asking us. I felt so honored. So. Well, uh, yeah, see under kindness. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anything else for anyone else? Nope. Okay. Right. Everyone else, you're all bastards. <laughs> uh, I, I think <laughs> the truth is we can't, you know, we'd no, love to I, name check every single person that's ever helped. Saying, sorry, me. Sorry, me. Exactly. And, and not saying you. Yeah. I guarantee the second we press the off, uh, the off record button, we're going to go, shit, we forgot this person. But uh, if we, if we named everyone, we'll be here for goddamn it. <laughs> and it would be boring. But listen to next week's episode. We might, you know, we might compile a list of a few extras that we, we forgot to mention. And next week we'll all be back with more questions for Tony and I on a game show orchestrated by our guests Tara Sassy and Daniel. Before we go, ladies and gentlemen, please do pimp your shows. We are the most popular girls on the internet, and our show is about gaming, technology, nerd rage, and humor. You can get us at tmptoti.com. So professional. Yeah, I don't think I can follow that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, that's, I run a show called Extra Credits on the Escapists. It's uh, on every Thursday, and we think about games too much. Okay. This has been the Digital Cowboys. Here is to 200 more. I've been Alex Shaw. I've been Tony Atkins. Happy trails. It's hard to let you